Hey, welcome everybody to podcast number 126. I was in a panic there for a second. I was like, what podcast number is this? Uh, we're, we're getting high in the numbers here. Well, while, while you were trying to figure that out, you had the wrong person in the, in the room, so I fixed that for you too, so we're Thank good. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think classic. he's broken now too, isn't he? Oh, oh no, he's back. Could okay, be, we're good. Right. We're good. Bad internet. Bad internet. Early out. <laughs> um, so, obviously, I'm your host, Kerry Kreitz. Five Pin Universe is bringing this podcast to you. We have the Wiseman Twins, Dexter and Tim, and Daryl Bradley. Welcome, guys. Thanks hey, for hello, joining everybody. again What's another on, week and going through this. Um, we're going to get our, our guest on here right away quick, so we're going to run through our little spiel you can become a patron of five pin universe for as little as two dollars a month at patreon.com slash five pin universe and help us bring these podcasts to you every week or every second week however uh, we can get it to you and then once again thanks again to all-star bowling sales being our sponsor of the week and we're going to run their quick commercial and we'll bring in the podcast guest all right so our podcast guest this week has bowled Pretty much everywhere you can pretty much bowl. Is that kind of where we're going with the gist <laughs> yes. with this? Uh, he is, uh, yeah, he's been a, a member of the Edmonton group. These guys know him fairly well. We have Mr. Perry Gillum. Welcome to the show, sir. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, Perry. <laughs> Happy to have you, man. Yeah. Good to see you. Yeah, it's good, it's oh, good you know, to chat you really with you. Get it in bowling when you get appear in your podcast right so much so. although 126 i have to you know a little bit down the list bit, but um, thanks for having me appreciate it, was it all fluffers before all fluffers <laughs> yeah. to the booking agent on that one right tim yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess if i had a manager i'd be able to improve that stat but i don't have one so that's you get right. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, we've had Mitch Davies on like 19 times now, so we could have at least had Perry up there a little, little bit earlier, maybe. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't need to hear that part. <laughs> that does make me feel very good there. Well, we're glad I'm to have you on now, Perry. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thanks. I'm honored for you inviting me. Thank you so much. Yeah. So, so Perry, where where did uh, where did bowling start for you? Ooh, good question, you know. Um, of course, I'm, folks who know me, I'm, I'm a new planter. Um, nine years old, I started bowling, and, and my oldest brother uh, kind of got me, introduced me into, into five-pin bowling. And I was in a YBC program, right, the Youth Bowling Council program, so it got me in there at nine years old. Uh, he was kind of my coach, mentor. The He was a bowling enthusiast, even though we had a sort of uh, a bowling family of, like, uh, uh, six brothers. I come from a fairly large family, six brothers and three sisters. All the boys were into the bowling. But he was the, the sort of leader, the enthusiast, uh, the big brother, right? And uh, got me into bowling at nine years old. Um, and back then, bowling was pretty big. Like it was, uh, you had a six lane house, but it was it seemed to be full. At least my memory seemed to think that it was full. Well, well because just your whole family went there, that's why. And yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> you took up one lane for sure. You had ten kids in your in your family. Yeah, ten, ten kids, seven, six boys, seven boys, and three. Where girls. did you Where did you fall in the whole group? The last boy, the old, the youngest of all the boys. Hmm. So I have one younger, I have a younger sister, but for the most part, all my siblings are older. Crazy. Wow. There's a new stat for us, hey? The, the who has been the podcast guest that had the most siblings? 
<laughs> Perry's <laughs> definitely winning that one. Yeah, Perry's, well, Perry's got the win. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no doubt. Well, I haven't met anyone that. Uh, no, I've met a couple of people with two or three brothers, right? Um, bowling together, but not not like, to the extent of having seven boys on the same bowling team. I remember it's in YBC and the seniors, and we had a we had a team oh. in the men's league on Sunday nights, and um, and we we can only bowl six, right? So we had seven. So the the low man always stayed out, right? The over played the lowest the week prior, stayed home next week, and. We kept doing that through year after year, and we always did pretty well. We usually either won. I don't remember actually ever losing. Uh, the lead, That's but, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was awesome. Looking back now, right where I am sitting in my chair today, looking back, but that was a pretty, pretty special time to do that. Absolutely. Well, seven brothers playing on a team, and then every week, they're the lowest guy year out for next week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we weren't like big guy. We just, I think my oldest brother, he was like, a, he was a 250 bowler. I mean, that was pretty good. Like, that was pretty elite, I thought, yeah. back in those days when I was like 13, 18 years old. That was pretty good, um, but pretty consistent. We had a pretty strong team, and we usually shared pretty well, fared pretty well. That, that's awesome. So I, I was talking to, like I mentioned to you earlier, well, one of our fellow senior bowlers is from the same town as you are in Newfoundland. And he was in yesterday and he was telling me a little bit about it. And he mentioned that your, your bowling center was in a rec center and it was a it was on top of the rec, like second level or whatnot. Yeah, that would have been kind of cool. But uh, the, the town that you're in, how many people actually were living there at that time? Well, at the peak of that time when I was living in Newfoundland, I think we had up to about 7,500 people within the town. But unfortunately, with uh, closure of the fishery, closure of some major um, employers, I think we had maybe 4,500 now uh, in the yeah. town. And you mentioned, Tim, I'm uh, sorry, yeah, Tim, about the, um, about the lanes we used to have, a, a six-lane uh, house on top, of a, on top of a hockey arena. Yeah. And unfortunately, in, I think in the 90s, it burnt down. Yeah. The ground sold for a while. There were a few years they lost the, they lost the arena. They lost the bowling alley. Lost all of those. Now they did rebuild it, and uh, and they put again another six lane house in there. But I, I think you know by that time bowling has kind of fell off, right? Um, with the loss of that facility for so long, that kind of fell off a bit, right? Even when I go home today and, and we go and throw a few games, my brother and I, that it's it's just not a lot of people there, and unfortunately. Um, it's just not there anymore. Fair. Yeah. And bowling is kind of a, a I mean, it, it's part of the big reason why we've pushed so hard on this podcast and stuff like that, too, is bowling needs to stay front of mind for people because there isn't a lot of media out there for it besides basically what we've been doing. Um, so if you don't keep it front of mind and it disappears for a couple of years, people's interests change. You have to you have to make sure it stays there front and front and center for people. Well, and hopefully yeah, all these small towns—they all—they all survive. Their little six-lane centers, their little eight-lane centers. That—that's the one that they need the communities to rally behind. Whether you're forty-five hundred or seventy-five hundred or seventy-five thousand, right? If you're supporting your little centers, then then they'll be able to stay in business, and it becomes a community, recreation, cultural built bonding place for the community. That's what they got to treat it as. Yeah, and you know yourself. I mean, like I look at uh, Dexter guys. Like, I mean, bowling comes from your family, right? And your parents probably got you into the sport, right? Where they were proprietors and introduced you to the sport, and which got you involved in the sport. And I was the same thing. My family, my old brother, bought me into the game. So I think, you know, it's it's those, you know, it's those mom, dad, brothers, and sisters bringing their 
younger siblings or family or friend members into the game, which is a big proponent of the game and keeping it alive, right? And there's smaller communities where I was from, and that's exactly what it was, right? It was it was the parents, it was uh, the older friends or family that brought the young kids into the program, which of course grassroots, right? Why we see program is a grassroots program that yeah. you know, has to be strong, right? If you want to grow a program, right? Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Crazy. So when did you start getting into a little bit of competitive side of things? Um, as a youth, was there starting to be, you know, four steps tournaments or did you start, you know, as a peewee bantam junior? When did you start, uh, you know, getting a little bit more competitive on that side of things? Yeah, no, great question. I think, you know, the first success I had, I remember my memory goes back is in 1980. Uh, competed as uh, I was 13 years old. Competed in the singles division for the four steps to start on the YBC program. I happened to win the zone, go on to represent the zone in provincials, where I competed against the bigger centers. Mind you, we're a small center, you know, with uh, very few bowlers. But I mean, you know, we, we had about 50 or so in YBC program, which is pretty decent for that size of the community. Yeah. And going into the youth centers like St. John's and Cornbrook, where there are hundreds of thousands of people in population. And competing against those and be able to win was a was a huge boost for me. And so for there, I went on to represent Newfoundland in, in the nationals, and that was in London, Ontario. I still remember these things; they're so vivid. London, Ontario. Uh, the name of the facility yeah. was 40, 40 lanes, huge, monstrous house. It was incredible to see that many people. And going into the YBC program, the opening ceremonies, right where they pipe you in, and you walk down the lanes, and it's just a huge, huge, huge deal. Right um, for that week, and something I've never seen before was amazing. It's an incredible experience for me to go ahead and do that, represent Newfoundland in that in a, in a junior boys division, right? Singles, and that week I think the format in YBC. I don't know if it's still the same or not, but you you bowl each province or territory twice in the same set. It's a two game set, yeah. and I remember not ever losing two games, so that was a very fortunate that um, probably helped me. To go ahead and win that tournament. I've never really gave up two games. I, I've taken two games from my competitors, but I've never given up two. So that was huge to be able to win that. So I went on to win that tournament. And so that was uh, the big, you know, the sort of bite that got me five yeah. and bowling, right? And going in and after winning that tournament and going into the closing ceremony, which was in a huge theater, it was just a, a mass. I've seen like all kinds of kids who were there, right? It was huge theaters, closing ceremonies. And when you call up on the stage and receive your medal, and they played Queen. We are the champion, of course, right? Which is, <laughs> and still saying your spine still today, right? That song must have just came out, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a week before. Yeah. Week before. <laughs> yeah. So that was used when that, I mean, I got bitten by the bug there, right there, right there and then, right? There. To have the yeah. experience, right? To have the experience at 13 years old. And even coming home, eh, to that day, flying back to Newfoundland from Ontario. Good old Air Canada let you down again and lost my luggage. First trip ever. <laughs> First trip ever and Air Canada lose your luggage on the way home, right? I would I would give know what I would say. Follow you around as right a thirteen like, year old, yeah. Yeah, as a thirteen year old, yeah. And well, so come an back amazing home. national experience, like <laughs> what's that, sorry? No, I'm just saying amazing national experience. Your first time going national, winning it all as a thirteen year old. As a Newfoundlander coming in here, I mean, it would have been blown away. That's awesome. It was. It was. It got bitten by the bug, right? And I remember even coming home on that flight, and it was about a two-hour, three-hour drive from the airport to my hometown, and um, and we ended up getting close to the town, and there was like all kinds of cars lined up, and it was like a big, huge parade. 
for us as we got back to the town, right? Because it was it was a big celebration. It was the first time that kind of kind of anyone in Wyoming did this kind of stuff, right? So it was pretty special awesome. for sure. That's so cool. Do you, Watching, like, do you ever remember? Around, yeah. Do you ever awesome. remember some of the players that would have been there at 1980? Like, you know, any, anybody we would have known or anybody that you grew up to play with later on that you would have like, hey, you were in the 1980 Nationals too. I didn't know that, but you know what I mean? There was one individual, and his name was Daryl from British Columbia. I went on to see him several times in other tournaments, whether it's in the Open or other YBC tournaments. But for the most part, you know, I remember having all kinds of pictures taken of each competitor I would pose and we would take a picture like a selfie today, right? <laughs> Took a picture of each one, but I don't remember all the names and um about the yeah. just one and I remember his name was Daryl from British Columbia. So, so Daryl Bailey. Daryl and uh Mark Medor, those two are huge players back yeah, in the Daryl day. Bailey, like who's just playing with us right now? That's no, no. Uh, a different Daryl Bailey. Bailey. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think his name was Daryl Bailey. Yeah, we, yeah. We, we found the stats, Perry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you found the stats from the 1980 YBC Nationals? They're all up there, yeah. Really? That's awesome. Yeah, I'm so absolutely. glad that somebody's posted all those stats. Wow. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. I went looking for some of those stuff, and I think you need special privileges to get in and see. <laughs> right? You asked me to respond. Just need a new young set of eyes. That's all, Perry. Yeah. Young set of eyes. Absolutely. I see Kathy. Uh, <laughs> Kathy was there, of course, not surprised, right? So she would probably know list list off a whole bunch of people that were there too. <laughs> Kathy was on the Bantam Girls that year, yes, yeah. Yeah, so you you were third, you won thirteen and a half matches, and you second. Oh, who was second? Silver was Alberta, which was Don Snow, and third was Quebec. Mark Medor. Mark Medor, yep. Yeah. I recognize yeah. that name for sure. Yeah, Mark thirteen and a half to eighteen, right? Uh yeah. Dex, is that right? Uh uh that's a good question. Yeah, I think it's thirteen and a half out of eighteen, I believe. Yeah, that's out of twenty. It would have been out of twenty. Oh well I probably. guess two each, so one, two, three, four, yeah. five, six, seven, eight, nine, eleven. <laughs> out of twenty two. Or sorry, twenty. It would have been oh, twenty. Okay. Yeah, you don't face yourself, so twenty. That's right. <laughs> That's yes, awesome. That was, my, you know, that was my first kind of big, I was bitten. I was bitten by the bowling bug after that, right? And um, I did go on and do uh, represent Newfoundland again in 1985, went to Burnley, D.C., in the senior boys division this time, right? I think my last year actually <laughs> Newfoundland before before I joined the military and left home. So it was the last year that I was eligible in, in the senior boys singles and went to Burnham, BC. Didn't do as well. I think I'm kind of missing, middle. I think I played like middle of the pack that, that year. Uh, wow, they got this one sideways. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mind me while I break my neck. <laughs> I'm just actually amazed you can pull the stats on that. I'm really surprised, but I think you're good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, is that I'd a Bulk Canada website? It's on a Bulk Canada. You start getting diving in somewhere. Yeah, yeah you just search Bulk Canada previous results, and I'll and I'll get you to the website. Saskatchewan like ran away with that. <laughs> Neat. Yeah, oh, you're. Man. You know, it's a big big step, obviously, in YBC. You're going from junior to senior. Um, just a huge step. Totally. Yeah, Northwest Territories came in second. Wow. Uh, Jim Jim White. Jim, Northwest Jim, Territories. Jim White? 
Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Another name I recognize. <laughs> That's super go. neat. But so so then after that '85, uh, you know, seniors run. Um, then I you joined the military. So then things start to slow down a little bit for you, or where did uh, you know bowling? Take a break. Yeah, you know that's no good question. That's that age, right? That's that age where you're sort of trying to find, trying to find whether you want to be still going on with that sports. Right, eighteen, nineteen, right? And and I joined the military, and all all my new buddies, my new friends. Now I now I had new one hundred twenty five new friends um, that I didn't know the year previously. I mean, if they're not in the five pin bowling, if they're not in other things, you're not involved with it, right? So you kind of fall off the you know, bowling wasn't cool, right? It wasn't the coolest thing to do. It was to mm-hmm. run off and go bowling with your 18, 19 year old buddies or are probably going partying or hanging out and having a good time, right? So, um, so a couple of years there was a bit of absence there uh, until I sort of um, moved into town. I think we, we uh, my, my now wife lived together and I think I took up bowling in Brandon and got back into that. I uh, wanted to get back into the league in and, and Brandon. Um, we were there for a couple of years before um, well, I was, I was in the artillery when I first joined the military and I remastered to, as a firefighter and that meant another move to Poison Prairie and again that's where in Manitoba already got it, got back into my first opportunity actually to put the bull in the open um, was in Poison Prairie and so I got exposed to the Manitoba experience I guess was my first outside of province, I said Newfoundland was my first experience of into the open and getting to meet some, again, some really good people in Manitoba. How was your first experience? How did you enjoy it? It was good. I mean, you know, it was really good. I, I try to think back because I was in Portage. It was, uh, I think it was called the Central Zone. And Winnipeg is is the stronghold, right? Winnipeg has all the huge bowlers and competitors, right? They they kind of blow you away. It's almost an unfair, it's almost like, you know, David and Goliath kind of a situation, right? Because uh, Winnipeg has such strong bowlers and strong competitors. But I was in the Central Zone. I met a lot of good people, and it was my first experience. So, not knowing what the what the what to expect, and being part of that, be the mixed team there, uh, it was good. It was good. I mean, I still the friends that I made in those open tournaments, which was so cool about bowling in so many provinces, is that every time I went to the open, it was like a re a reuniting with old friends because I had friends in all these provinces yeah. that I'd either bowl with on a team with or bowl against, and it was almost like a homecoming just to reunite and just to reunite those relationships and those friendships. Absolutely. That's awesome. Now, did you have team... any success? Sorry, did you have any success while out there? No, not in not in Manitoba. I don't remember having a lot of success in Manitoba. And I mean, um, when I went to Portage, I was only there two years, right? And then I don't remember or not, but the Canadian Forces closed a whole bunch of bases in around that 1990, 1992. And Portage was one of them. And therefore, that meant for us was another move. So in, in 1992, we we moved there in uh, 1990 and moved up again in 1992. So it wasn't a lot of time to to be part of the open competition or any other competition for that for that matter. And um, we were off to Nova Scotia in 1990. Did you enjoy that move to Nova Scotia? Was that was that a good move for you? Like, I mean, obviously it's not Newfoundland, but you're you're kind of getting back to your end of the world and <laughs> yeah well that's just the thing right east coasters always want to go back east and and so which was good i mean that was that was great um and we had some really good friends back there which was which is nice to get 
back into the community. So we knew people. One of my wife's best friends from school was there, and I had some friends from the military who got out and moved back there in Nova Scotia. So it was we we had connection there when we when we when we got there, right? So it wasn't like we were going somewhere for the first time and didn't know us. So so we did have that network kind of pre-built there. And going back to Nova Scotia is great. Nova Scotia, a beautiful province, obviously. We spent eight years there, right? So it was, uh, you know, broke my heart to leave, to be honest with you. Uh, we really fit in well there. Uh, we had some good jobs. We had lots, lots of good people in the community. And bowling was really good there. Um, that's the thing about me, you know, being in bowling, wherever you went, that was the, that was my introduction to the community. I was getting to go to the bowling alley and you meet people, right? Like I like met you guys and I moved to yeah. Alberta, right? That was my hand. I was into all kinds of sports, whether it was basketball, Ball hockey, hockey, and bowling. So first place I ran to when I had this free moment was off to the lanes and meet the the proprietor, the manager, introduce myself, and how did I? Where's your leagues? How are they? When did they take place? And get in and get in right away, right? That was my my way in there, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so so bowling in Nova Scotia, um, different, eh? Oh, it's huge. Um, for one thing. Bowling alleys, the five pin lanes are only on the bases, and there's only three in Nova Scotia. It's uh, the Halifax, Dockard, or, or Shearwater, or in Greenwood. Um, so outside of that, that was the only five pin available, mm-hmm. of course, within the province. And other than that, they had another game called Candlepin, mm-hmm. and that was a big game down down in New Brunswick and Nova Scotia. Was Candlepin even down in eastern U.S. Right, went down to the Maine and, and those areas. Right, there's huge competition. I mean, it was it was televised back in the day. Right, it was yeah. massive, uh, big game. But five pin, not as much. Right, it was a lot of military folks or military spouses and family members and friends that were in five pin bowling. So it wasn't as strong. Right, we didn't have a lot of a lot of bowlers, not as strong. What, and that's good and bad. Good because if you're competitive and you want to bowl in TSN, CBC, in the open, you don't have a lot of competition. Nothing against anyone that's watching from Nova Scotia, but that's just a numbers game. It's just a numbers yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so your opportunity is is way up there, higher to, to make those teams and 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 increase your opportunity to go and play in the CBC and play in TSN and play in the Open and, and play in those tournaments that if you were in Ontario or Alberta, I mean, it doesn't come like your opportunities don't come every year to go and be able to do these things, right? Right. Now, Perry, I know you haven't been in Nova Scotia, but there's only one in a while but there's only one center now all the rest of them closed except for greenwood oh yeah, yeah so. and, and when i was there it was struggling i mean there was a six lane house on the naval base and and it was closing but it was a friend of mine that volunteered to jump in and just run it because he didn't want to see it close so he went mm-hmm. in there even though he was working he was still a military member in the navy and he had a sort of an organization arrangement worked out that he would come and run the lanes and spend a lot of time on the weekends and and solicit anyone to go in there and help them to run the lanes just so that the house wouldn't close because it was a very, very, you know, it was a strong component of, of the lanes there, right? Which is, yeah, but unfortunately, like everything, if you don't have someone come in and do those things, they, they close down. That's unfortunate to hear that two of those houses, that it's three, are, are gone now. Yeah. yeah it seemed yeah. weird that in that, in all of Nova Scotia, that there's only one house left. Right. It is weird, like yeah. A couple of big towns, Halifax, and I mean, there's big towns. I mean, obviously, it's a, you know, expensive to build a new one or what you'd have to do with it, but yeah. Yeah. it seems sort of a, a lost opportunity, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, when, when we were there, we had a lot of people who were proponents of trying to grow the game in Nova Scotia, right? But 
um it was it was tough it was like it was like pulling teeth right excuse me because most of the folks who were there were you know it was cantal camping was a good was the big game right it, it was candlestick was a big game and that's where everybody <laughs> that's where everybody went yeah it's just Is crazy still I mean, candle pin like... i'm sorry is there still candle pin centers tons yeah oh yeah Oh, there is. I, oh, okay. I assume so. They are everywhere, and they're all over Atlantic Canada, right? I don't know if you ever played Canopin, Candlestick, Canopin, but it's a tough game, right? It's a tough game. Like even I think they've had. Don't quote me on this, but I don't think there's ever perfect games that we've been throwing Canopin. Um, no. I think if you if you throw Candlestick, if you have one or two two strikes a game or three, like you're you're doing exceptionally well. It's all about trying to. Time trying to throw that spare right because every 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 ball is a is a different ball because they play the deadwood right in that game yeah yeah but terrific bowlers because they they have to be so accurate right so accurate in that game because there's no two shots that are alike so you need to be able to play the angles when you're playing the deadwood so that you can throw pins in certain directions and spread them out to get them to do what you want to do so very accurate game very yeah, tough it's, game. Like, it's like bowling and pool put together. So apparently, like a good average for like a really good average for Canopins, like 135, <laughs> which, which tells you how hard it is. Um, did you ever? Game. Did you ever bowl in a league for Canopin or anything like that? Or no? No, I went through a few games. Um, I, I want to think now because my brother, of course, who, who introduced me to five men bowling, unfortunately, with the. With the collapse of the railway in Newfoundland, and he worked for the railway, he had to move and he moved to Moncton. So in Moncton, he got into candlestick there. And I, I used to, when I go visit him, we used to go and throw a few games of candlestick. I think I went out a couple of times and played, might have been once in the league, but I wasn't part of the league. I think I just subbed in or something on one night when he was going and they were down a player. So I subbed in. Um, and just try not to embarrass myself, you know. <laughs> for the most part, <laughs> those guys are pretty good, they're very accurate. Hmm. Crazy. Did you ever, so when you were subbing in or whatever, did, the ball is quite a bit smaller and quite a bit lighter, is it not? Did you ever uh, give the old heave-ho halfway down the lane? Or? Well, it's a, it's a huge adjustment, right? Imagine picking up a five-pound ball and picking up a three-pound ball and throwing it under it with the same intent. It just flies in your hand, right? And your timing is totally messed up because... You used to have that weight to control your rhythm, control your timing. Is now it's way off, right? So that adjustment, it's not it's not uncommon to you know pick up ball and throw it and you wing it like it's sapping down the lane and it's going towards the gutter and you know where you're in the pin because of the weight. The weight transfer totally totally different. Right? But it's just a just you adjust. You adjust her until you take your shoes off and go home, like one of the two. <laughs> 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 Yeah, no, my brother Charlie. Yeah. So then, did you get playing again now? You know, in Ottawa when you were living there, or obviously then back again into Edmonton. Some of the highlights then too, starting to play uh, the open teams. I'm sorry, I, I kind of there. We beat the question. It kind of broken up a little bit. Try to yeah, get... just sort of the your your more open experience as you start going into Edmonton a little bit later on into 2004, 2007. Some of those experiences uh, playing playing different zones and, and making teams. Yeah, whoa. I mean, of course, my first open experience in Manitoba. I think I only played one, so and then I went to Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia, 
only sent mixed team and singles, right? So I played in the open right. competitive. And again, like I said, because we didn't have the, you know, the, the numbers or star power there, it, it was, you know, you had a really high, uh, high opportunity to, you know, to make a team. So I was very fortunate to make several Nova Scotia mixed teams um, to go and represent, right? So again, that was more experience in that environment, especially a high pressure environment, right, of the open. Right, you're competing against. You're in the mix, but you're you're competing against a big team, especially guys at Quebec. Quebec was the same way. They only they only came to the Open with with, with mixed teams, and they're just super strong. They just roll you over if you were prepared, right? And um, so I played on an Open team in Nova Scotia for a few years. But the first three years in Nova Scotia, I spent in the Navy, and those three years, I think a combined total, I was gone a full year in the three years I spent with the Navy. So not a lot of time for for bowling, right? So when you're not bowling, you're trying to in family time. And I did, I think I did still play in a couple events, but but they really got into that was from '92 to '90. Sorry, not '92 to '95 with the Navy. '95 to 2000 was I got uh, posted over to the Air Force in Shearwater, and that's where I really spent. Uh, was able to do a lot of competitive bowling on CBC TSN and, and the open experiences, and we left. We left. Nova Scotia in 2000, went to Ontario, Ottawa. Um, again, we only had three years there. I happened to play, I believe, one open in Ottawa. Um, but I, I was just in awe. But after coming, leaving those, after leaving Nova Scotia and going to Ontario and playing in an open competition, I was just in awe. I was on the starstruck because it's such a massive event there, right? It's you have to see it to believe it. And I, I, I don't know. You correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they had like 22 zones. Yeah. When you went oh, there, yeah. at one point it's twenty four, yeah, twenty four zones. I mean, it's wow. Like, and I heard this uh, so many times when I was in Ontario that just to get out of the province was so tough, right? Just to win out of the province and win that provincial tournament to leave to go represent nationals was so tough. So the team that usually won, I mean, they were a pretty darn tough team, and they're those guys. There were no two fifteen average bowlers on those teams. Let's put it that way. Um, so they're pretty strong, and when you when you face those in the open, you kind of know where you get. And, and after I was in Ontario, I realized how strong they were, how sense of how that team was put together, and how strong they had to be in order to leave the province. And when you face them in the open again, in later years when I faced them in the open, I knew I knew where they're coming from because what they had to do in order to get to that level. So you're kind of like, oh crap, we can get steamrolled here if we don't if we're not careful because these guys are that strong. But Absolutely. strangely enough, every time I played Southern Ontario after that, I expected the worst because you know it's such a powerful team. I always did well against them. I don't know why that <laughs> always did, right? I don't remember ever getting steamrolled by Southern Ontario. I think we won more than I've ever lost against them. But that's my say, right? I don't have a record. So. <laughs> <laughs> we don't Pretty have the stats online. I can say that. <laughs> <laughs> can't be contested, right? Can't be contested. That's right. <laughs> but after Ontario, I guess keeping on with the the Open uh, was our final stop. Of course, went to Alberta, right? By this time, it was like five provinces now. And um, Alberta was was cool. It was awesome. Uh, there's another kind of I would say I would call it like a bowling superpower, right? There's there's a lot of bowlers. There's a lot of centers. There's a lot of you know. And, and outside of Ontario. Um, Going to Alberta was kind of refreshing because you finally see young people in the game. Up until then, I didn't get to see a lot of young people in the game like yourself, right? You just, you just weren't there, right? It was an older sport, and it was, seemed like it was 
honest way out in a bit. So it was really refreshing going to Ontario and coming to Manitoba, uh, going, sorry, going to Alberta and seeing a lot of young people into the sport and getting into the leagues and being competitive, right? And of course, I, I happened to be forced to compete in the Open several times and then Alberta and the Masters, which was another highlight. I love that part of uh, my first experience of actually getting to play in the Masters because now that 235 average threshold in order to compete, I thought that was exceptional and be able to do that. So I really enjoyed that Masters program. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You, so, you ha- go ahead, Gary. Uh, no, I, I was going to just ask about the Masters, but obviously there's a lot of open history we want to kind of get through before I ask my Masters question. No, I know you, you had a you had a great mixed team when you went. Uh, I know Annette was on it, and I remember all that kind of stuff. But uh, I think you guys got bronze that year in, in Sudbury. And, and then I know in 08, that's when you won your national championship with, I thought it was a, a Pretty pretty great uh, men's team, right? You had Johnny on it. Lynn was the coach. You had Bruce. You had Sean Heller, Brett Wren, Matt Schultz, right? That's, that's a pretty good. That's a pretty good men's team. Oh yeah, like it was exceptional, right? And and I think with bowling, like the two highlights there, not no disrespect to me, the highlights there were bowling with Bruce and and uh, and and realizing how good after that, how good Matt was, like. Yeah. Just unbelievable, that guy. Just jump on his shoulders and go. Once you start throwing strikes, there was no getting off it, right? So it's amazing to have guys like that on the team that were able to just show, show, show. And I think that year, you know, trying to think about this, I think that year when we won that that Masters uh, goal, we were losing. Like, I think we going into the last day, um, I think we were down. We were in you second were. or third place. And we had to, I think we threw four games maybe the last day. And I think we rolled really well. Like we were seven one, eight nothing, six two kind of if, um, results, right? To to come back and win that and finish first. If I remember correctly, in um, that year for your Masters, uh, yeah, you guys were down quite a bit, and I think you guys ran out the sheet basically. And that's uh, when Dougie Mosdale almost got his only gold medal in Masters after all those years. You guys ended up beating him. And uh, I remember that because Lynn told me that story about it all the time. So I, I, th- I think you guys went like six, uh, sevens and eights for the rest of the last four games in order to squeak out by like a handful of points. Like it was really yep. close. It came down to the last game, I think. Like it was it was neck and neck. And we were we were throwing really well. But like I said, you know, with Bruce there, you know, don't disrespect anyone else. Everyone played really, really well. But it was it was really nice to have those guys on the team. And when they're throwing, you just jump on for a ride, right? Because they're going to carry is, Who is all on the Masters team? On, on the Masters team, I think it was Tom. Tom was on that team. Uh, Gary Baird was maybe. Uh, I know Wilton was on it. Perry was on it. And Johnny, I think, was on it. Pretty solid teams for sure. Yeah. Now, where where was that? What um where did that take place that year? Oh nine was Saskatoon, so I'm not sure where it was next. Gary year. says, yeah, Sudbury. Sudbury. There you go. Yeah, Sudbury. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, but you mentioned earlier about the the mixed mixed team being in Sudbury, so I was a little bit <laughs> confused on locations. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, both, both, both are in separate, yeah. Well, both? <laughs> just what luck. Yeah, what's this one? What's, what's, Mike, what's Mike chirping about in 2007? He carried Perry a three pins that year? Yeah, did, you, did you have some three pins or did he have some three pins? <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. Mike and his three pins. That was, that was, that was fun for a while, yeah. <laughs> that was I, fun. I ever played with you on a team perry but i think that we played maybe i was men's and you were on a mixed or i was on a mixed and you were on a men's or something in the zone but i don't think we played in the same team together not, that I remember. not the one to ask for memory right there like you're not talking to yeah. like you're asking for memory. well i i gotta make a list too but i i I've a few I teams and a lot of people so it's hard to recall exactly who was on what team unless you know it was uh significant to the point remember folks that got <laughs> well clearly it wasn't for either one of us <laughs> we did <it> together <laughs> but you know it seems like we have we have competed together i just just can't i, I think i feel like it was like i was men's and you were mixed or you were men's and i was mixed or something in one of those years or or maybe it was the years that i wasn't playing but anyways we were we were around but yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah. I do remember though, like being a left-hander and being amazed in your sweeping ball that you'd have. And I think there was one tournament too. You even went on a tear. One of these nationals, Tim. You would know the stats. Like, didn't Perry go on in a massive tear in one of these national tournaments? Like again, uh, I, I, I would have to team. look at. Oh, like, probably. I remember that. Do you remember that, Perry? Like, I feel like there was one, probably or maybe it was sure, in a provincials, yeah. or was it one of the I, events that it went? I mean, as much as you're talking about Bruce or Matt or, yeah. or whatnot, but I feel like there was a. The stat that you had at one of these was was ridiculous as well. I I remember his I remember his when he went up through TPC that one year and uh, at Collingwood, and he was and you think he was in like the fours or the or the, something like that at that point. I remember that. I remember Wayne's one and two. Uh, you you ripped a, a three pin in eleven against Bruce, and then you had to spare it in order to beat him, and you did. And I remember really? Bruce is like, oh, of course it's Perry did that to me, yeah. <laughs> but but I remember I was I was like, man, that was clutch. Like three pins, you had to pick a three pin spare in order to win, and you did that. It was against Bruce that day, yeah. If Mitch Davies is listening, this is the guy you need to talk to. <laughs> First, you got to throw left handed. Yeah, That's yeah. number one. Yeah. Uh, and ha- hands down the smoothest left handed bowler I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, like without yeah, question. Sure. T- take that, Jeff Young. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh yeah. infinitely better than Jeff. Yeah, we we bowled with Adam Kemp this weekend and he was pretty smooth too. Yeah. Yeah. Not um, yeah. I remember back in the day, like oh. you know, guys, when I first started bowling, like I remember back then like um you know, ten pin um was was huge and Earl Anthony, I don't know, like guys I'm maybe aging myself or not. He was a big ten pin bowler back in the day. First guy ever won a million dollars and he was a left-hand thrower, but he didn't have one of those big looping hooks. It was it was a mild little hook right into a pocket, and he just annihilated everybody in competition, right? So he had fresh like as oil a all the time. I'm sorry. He he always had fresh oil. That's the yeah, advantage I, for the lefties, right? Just you have amazing, fresh oil. Yeah, just an amazing thrower, right? And I grew up watching that guy, right? And being a left-hander myself, you know, I don't know if I really looked at his his style compared to mine, but I I was thinking like you know. It was so smooth and so deliberate, and I tried to tried to develop. Of course, we're all competitive bowlers, right? You, you have to within the sport. You need to develop a style that's easy to repeat and simple, and, and you can do over and over and over again. And have good balance and have good rhythm and all those little things, right? So that when you get in those highly 
highly um, positions where you need to, need to perform. You don't have to worry about your, your technique because it's sound, it's simple, it's repeatable, right? We all know that, right? I think that's that's kind of one of the, the things about the sport, which I've seen over the years. I've seen a lot of folks trying to come up and trying to be competitive and playing, playing in tournaments, but they just don't have good technique. They don't have good rhythm, they don't have good balance, they don't have a good style. It's hard to repeat when you're irky-jerky at the line all the time, right? So yeah. they'll throw one or two games or four or five games, but to throw 10, it is, becomes difficult, right? Yeah, for sure. So, Perry, you're talking about uh, style and all that stuff. One thing you need to have is uh, a great fashion style, and you might be one of the only bowlers I know, and maybe you can uh, tell us the story. What's with the nameplates on the back of your shoes? Oh, wow. Oh, you know what? That goes back to Nova Scotia, right? It was uh, Cynthia Schofield, God lover, so I think she she, kind of, like, started that, and we... And uh, she would order uh, nameplates for the one. We put them on our shoes, and uh, and I, I just kind of kept it with that. I kind of was kind of cool. I liked it. I really I really appreciated that. And to have my name with shoes, I don't know if it was a big deal or not, but to me it was a big deal because where it came from and and how it was initiated, right? So, so I thought that was pretty cool, and I still yeah, I'm still out there. <laughs> for sure, it's a talking point for uh, when when we first seen you at the open. Um, and seeing you play in shoes with nameplates on the back, everybody was talking about. It. They're like, "What? What's with the nameplates?" And we're trying to get the story behind it. And it's it's neat to have these kind of podcasts where we can bring out the story that uh, that's neat that it started originated from back home and stuff like that. That's cool. I like it. Yeah, I came from Nova Scotia, Cynthia Schofield, yeah. but um, I wasn't big on. I should say that I wasn't big on wearing "I love me" jackets, right? I. Um, <laughs> I wasn't one to walk around with a jacket with, I was here, won this, and I'm champion of that, and here's that. I wasn't big on that right stuff, right? So so may the name on, on name based on the shoes may have been seen as being a little bit of a personality, but no, it wasn't meant to be that at all. It was, uh, it was uh, just an insider thing with the old Scotia folks I used to go with. That's really cool. I really <laughs> like that. And yeah, there's, there's nothing like super flashy about that. That's a bragging thing at all. Like, it's not like you're sitting there being like, hey, you know... 2008 C5 champion on the back of your shoes, right? That's it. Yeah, that's what re- I really like that. That's really actually neat. we sh- we should start that. That seems more legit. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, I'm good. You know, it it, it was similar because we we had, we just had our open this weekend, and you see everybody wearing their open shirts from previous years, right? And then somebody came up and said, "Why aren't you wearing your your open shirt from the last year?" I was like, "Because I haven't made the team that this year, right?" So I, I feel like that's the same kind of way, right? I just, yeah, it's just not, I don't know, it's bad karma, bad juju, I always felt. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So there's our, our, our Don Sim statistician. It was 2007 when you went to the Nationals in the mixed team. So I was on the men's team that year. You were on the mixed. I think that's what it would have been. Okay. And you and you and you had a had a runaway tournament, I think, because you would have gone to nationals. Hold that right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, I, I wish I could. I wish I could recall this stuff. Like, yeah. that's why we put it out there. We put it out there to our listeners, and somebody will come back to us, right? Yeah. Right. No, that's, that's good. That's great. <laughs> I do like the idea of the nameplates, though. For national champions Can they get one or maybe just wcbt champs hey tournament tourney champs yeah no, that's cool i like it i i, I had a mine warm 
Yeah, if I change shoes, I take the plates off and put them on a new pair of shoes. Hmm. Yeah. So where where where, where do they go? Where do they go? Did they go on your like your, where your like Are on the back of your shoe? On the like bottom of the heel. Yeah, no, I've never seen it. No. Yeah. Where, where are your shoes, Perry? Oh, <laughs> it's right, right on the bottom of the sole. Yep. Yeah, like oh. just yeah. above the. Is it is like, the like a buckle? Like, is it a, a metal material like that you would screw into it? Yeah, it's a little like a little brass kind of yeah. nameplate, right? Um, oh, now we're getting corrected by by Don. No, Dylan, you were on the on the men's team. Oh, oh, Oh eight one that year. I think Don's wrong. I'm gonna call him on that. Maybe maybe a two thousand eight <laughs> men's team. Two thousand eight uh, men's team. That would make sense. Yes. Maybe I was there watching one year. Uh, you were you were there watching? Yes, because I was at Riverside. Uh, oh, then I, that's the year it was. Gotcha. Yes, there you go. That was two thousand eight. <laughs> that was two thousand eight. Yeah, two thousand eight. Yeah, but then Open All Stars in 07, It was. It would have yeah. been the mixed team. Yeah. 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 Right. Honestly, watching is almost the same thing as playing. Watching is almost the same thing as playing. Yeah, almost. Yeah. So I think it came down with chance. Anyways, that's a that's a that's an after dark story. <laughs> so th there's a whole bunch of other really neat things here. Um, we'll talk about some bowling stuff first, and then we'll get to one thing I really want to talk about. But um, you threw a perfect game. When was your perfect game? Oh, that's a good story. Um, I think it was in 1998. It was St. Patrick's Day. It was on a Sunday. It was a 10-game qualifier for CBC. Um, I think it was around the middle of my 10 games that I threw the 450. I had a big three in front of it, like a 360, 370. Then a 450, then another like 360, 370. So that was my one only 450 in that qualifier. I think like my three game total, like, I was like 11.55 or something. So I had a massive three game total and a 450 going on with the 10 games. And I can't remember what the 10 game total was. And I think, cause I try to remember what my I 10 games were. Um, uh, I think around 270, but somehow I think it had to be higher. <laughs> to throw 11.55 and it's in three games to 10, I think 270 had to be higher. But yeah, that was kind of, kind of cool. Cause I think that was the second time that I qualified to, because for CBC down in, that was in Nova Scotia, just because you won a 10 game qualifier, now you had to go and compete within Atlantic Atlantic provinces with the exception of yeah. Newfoundland. So Nova Scotia and PEI, we'd get together and uh, in a house somewhere in ultimate years, uh, and then we can compete for the right to represent Atlantic Canada in, in CBC. And I think I believe it's I believe it's the same thing for TSN. So that year had a really amazing year. Like I said, uh, along with what I just mentioned, I think I and I won the, the CBC right qualified for CBC that year. Went on television. And I think that's the second time I was on CBC. And when you go on these televised events, right, like TSN or CBC, it's almost like <laughs> the first time is almost like you're putting in time. You just go there because you're so new to it. You're not used to the lights and the camera and every ball is so amplified because everybody's watching you and it's televised even though it's taped it's going to be aired later you just didn't want to embarrass yourself just don't embarrass yourself <laughs> yeah yeah that's kind yeah. of what you're getting at so the oh, first yeah. time you go you're just kind of like putting in putting in time collect 200 bucks don't pass go and see you later right um <laughs> because you really just you're just not there right because you're not you're not competitive enough do you understand what I'm saying? Even though you're competitive, yeah. you can bowl. You're just not used to that environment. 
time. And so the more times you go back, I think the better I've gotten. And, and each time I went back, it just got that much better. And I think the last time I went back was in that time I mentioned with CBC, where I, I, uh, I made it to the semifinals and I ended up playing Steve there, right? I think you guys spoke about that in your podcast a couple weeks back when Steve was on. And uh, that was a good memory because I was listening to Steve talk about that. And uh, and we went to that tiebreaker game in the semifinal where we had, you know, when you have a, a one-game match play, right, anything could happen, right? Anything could happen. I think we had a great game. I think it was a quite a competitive game. It was 275, yeah. 275, yeah. So it was a it was a decent game. You go into it, then you after you tie, you go into a two two frame call, two frame tiebreaker. Unfortunately, I missed and opened, um, and he didn't. So that's uh, gave him the one the right to go ahead and play in the finals, right? So that was uh, that was quite the year actually, very successful year for me. And I had that 450, and that same year I had the 450. I went to the nationals in Nova Scotia on a mixed team. And, uh, and they used to announce the winners of the 450 um, prize. What was that called? I think the, the there was I think WestJet had a had a prize where you can fly anywhere in North America. The WestJet flies. That was the grand prize for yeah in the draw for uh, for having a 450. So I went into the draw with 15 or 16 other 450s that year, and I happened to be sitting in the audience because it was drawn at the open, and they drew my name. I was there. Yeah. That was <laughs> pretty incredible. Yeah, that's um, awesome. To go up on stage and I go up on stage and accept that prize. So, and um, quite interesting about that though. Have a guess where we went anywhere in North America? WestJet flies. Have a guess where we went that year? Edmonton, <laughs> Manitoba. We're back to my wife's from Manitoba. So we flew back to Brandon, Manitoba to. <laughs> To use our free flights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To, to be fair, been. that was probably the most expensive flight you could have booked with it. So it's not cheap yeah, to fly I mean, in Canada. <laughs> with young kids and, and a family, right, to fly, right, it was a big expense, right? And we, you know, yeah. we didn't have the, the most money, um, right? So to use that trip to go to visit family, I was on the East Coast, so it wasn't like we needed to fly to Newfoundland. Yeah. To fly somewhere to enjoy all of the family, right? Well, I, th- I think uh, our previous podcast, uh, Lloyd Weens mentioned that he he had a perfect game and he flew from Saskatoon to Edmonton. <laughs> so, yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> crazy. So, so I get you there for sure. Yeah. Wow, I that's lovely. At least I at least I flew most part way across the country. Yeah, not <laughs> not a car ride. <laughs> yeah, not a car ride. <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. And and for someone who says his memory isn't very good, you have a very vivid memory for certain things. <laughs> yeah. That's some things sure. stand out. Yeah, just, yeah, some things just stand out and some things are like, what? Did I do yeah. that? Yeah, I was there. <laughs> so did you play so did you play once on CBC and once on TSN or did you play twice on both? Twice, twice on, on both. Yeah. Which was your favorite and why? Ooh. Well, the CBC was more money. Obviously, you had more money at stake there. So if you went to CBC, you can actually guarantee coming home with money. Um, TSN not as much. So TSN paid by they paid by by frame. So you win the frame, right? And it was a carryover, a carryover. It's like it's like golfing, right? Skins game kind of thing, right? It's the same thing within TSN. So a totally different format. So I really enjoyed the CBC format because it seemed to be more like regular tournament tournament format, or one versus one but you're playing for the game and not just frame by frame 
because um, we know frame by frame you can actually lose the game but still win by frames, right? Um, so I think I like the CBC format the better. The, there was more money. Uh, obviously, first prize was twenty five thousand dollars, right? Um, twenty seven or twenty five thousand for first prize, I believe it was. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, uh, it was uh, twenty seven when you lost. Yeah, twenty seven. Yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah, one game away from some decent money there. I think one game away from actually winning ten grand. I think by ten grand, ten grand was second yeah. place. Yeah, yeah. So a tiebreaker cost me ten thousand dollars. <laughs> 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 Not good. I, 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 that's why I forget that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, was like, yeah. I was like, how do you still sleep at night? Like, that, would, that would haunt me forever. <laughs> yeah, well, it did. It did. <laughs> it did. I got over it now. Um, yeah, so that was an expensive frame. Um, that's so much pressure, though, but that's so much fun. Yeah, like, it was. It was huge, right? It was. It was terrific. To, um, you know, because for one thing, you're on TV. You're come become one of the you know, elite in your sport, right? Uh, there's a lot of recognition going on with that, and opportunity to go do that. And like I said, the first time I went, you're just putting in time, and the more you go, you're getting more exposure. You're getting uh, able to cope in those pressure situations, and. And you're able to focus on you and your game, and your technique, and not to worry about the people and the cameras and the lights and all that stuff, right? So that helps you elevate your level, right? So when I came to Alberta, I was that much better for it, right? When I went to Ontario, I was that much better for it, even though in Nova Scotia we didn't have the huge contingent for competitors, but it gave me the opportunity to go and compete at a national level or even on CBC and TSN, which helped me elevate my game that much better. Absolutely. You had a good time, yeah, Steve. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we did. Yeah, I'm sure we did. I'm sure you had a better time than I did, but <laughs> um, something else we want to touch on, and I, I think this is really cool. I'm not 100% sure what it all involves, but um, you were the Canadian Forces Athlete of the Year. Ooh, no, I got to crack you out on there as runner up. Runner up. Yeah. So again, yeah. So what happened there was that was a pretty cool story too. So again, I was in Shearwater. I was doing a lot of bowling again. Like you know, I was going to CBC. I was going to TSN. I was going to the Open. Uh, so I was making I was making provincial teams, and beside that, I was making teams within the military. So I played on uh, base basketball team, uh, base bowling team, ball hockey. So all of these sports. Like military was a twenty year sports scholarship for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> a lot of people love playing sports, right? So, ask my wife; she'll tell you all about that one. Um, <laughs> just, just a sport, just a gym rat, right? I just loved it. So, the fact that I was so successful, right, with uh, with going to CBC and going to TSN, and um, and having the 450 that year, and going to the Open, and playing at all the base level teams, that you know put me in a good, pretty good standing as a pretty favorable athlete. So. Uh, my name was put forward at a national level to to, to be the Canadian Forces Man of the Year. Unfortunately, I lost. I lost to a uh, Olympian, uh, biathlete Olympian. Right, so th- that that makes it a little <laughs> bit easier to swallow, eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was, it was good. Someone believed in me. Someone saw what I was doing, and they recognized it, and they said, "Hey, you know what? Let's put you forward and and, and for Man of the Year just because of all the the recognition I was getting and all the sort of things I was accomplishing, right? Now, in the military and outside of the military. That's really That's awesome. neat. That's it's neat, cool. though, within a community that you can be recognized that way. And, and you know, there's 
certain level of pride that within your own troop that you continue to move forward and move up and within the group like hey man good good for you yeah absolutely that was a lot of fun <laughs> if only we could have got bowling into the olympics yeah really and that was you know what that's a good story too because back in that time the same time frame right you remember curling curling and bowling were kind of like on the, the kind of same part right we had a tvc yeah. we had tsn we were televised curling was the same thing we had a couple big tournaments but I believe, and some folks can correct me if I'm wrong here, but Curling went out and they hired a company to, to sort of get them a, a major sponsor or promote the game, right? And, and they had some big breakthroughs at a time because they got into the Olympics, right? And that kind of put them over the top, right? And, and, and they went on to now you see Curling as big as it is, right? And they got tons of tournaments. But C5 did the same thing. C5 did the same thing back then. They went out and had the same company try to raise and elevate uh, the C5 game and, and try to capture a national sponsor. But unfortunately, they weren't they weren't successful. We did have some sponsors back in the day. I think we had was it Carling? Um, yeah, Iron Walker. Iron Walker. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I think. I wonder what a sponsorship package back then would have looked like. Right, it was a certain amount of dollars and a certain amount of return. Like, I just wonder what the product offering would have been back then, and what would I think Iron Walker. Iron Walker used to sponsor. I think Iron Walker used to sponsor one of the televised events. Yeah, if I remember correctly, I'm not sure now. I'm like thinking back. Um, and Pepsi, I believe, used to yeah. sponsor. Pepsi used to sponsor some youth events. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, I don't know if we have those sponsors today or any kind of other sponsors to do things like that, right? So I think that was the turning point for, for curling to, to go, curling to take off, and, and bowling kind of didn't it just kind of stayed and kept its course, right? Yeah, I think the youth challenge, was it the youth challenge that was the Cokes or the Pepsis at one point? Got Cokes yeah. into Pepsis, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was back in the 80s because I was, you know, when I was bowling in the 80s at YBC and I was starting to get recognized in YBC Newfound, I was approached to, to go play in the Pepsi tournament, whatever that meant. And unfortunately, that wasn't because of where I lived. And I mean, I was just a young kid. Transportation was an issue for me and, and getting around and that sort of stuff. Right? So I couldn't go into the bigger center just to play in the tournament, even though I was invited, right? Errol Mocker, yeah, there you go. TSN and Master. It would just be interesting to know what the package looked like though back then and what the the product offering and the return was for these sponsors like what did that what did that look like yeah i i, there was, I know, know there was money and i heard back in the day um they used to have uh, some bottles like you go in your hotel room and you check in and there was the bottles there from each of the sponsors <laughs> that's awesome yeah right and they would get yeah. Yeah, a nice little bottle of booze. Here you go, yeah, you, yeah. youth bowlers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I wonder what the company was that, that was hired to go out and do that kind of stuff and what was what that, that contract was kind of yeah. like, too. Like whether, you know, they got a cut back based on what they, what they were able to accomplish with it or whatnot. And um, that would be interesting if we could find a, a hired gun to go out and try to find this for that's already in that again. space though right they, they, yeah. that this is what they do is they are a broker for sponsors mm-hmm. right and you know even for the social media or all the stuff that we do like where at what point in time do you get an agent if you will or a, a broker agent that's in that space of 
connecting you with sponsors or you know you get into a certain level of pool right There's, yeah yeah the the main thing that hinders five pin bowling is it's not international right so now right. you have to target canadian sponsors that are willing to invest in canadian sport and i think yeah. that's the hardest part that we have in a five pin game is to get like a Canadian Tire or a Tim Hortons, they're not they're not interested. They they're willing to put more money into an international sport because of the international more exposure. Yeah, exposure, but right? It'd be, yeah. Yeah, we see that. You even see that with darts. I mean, we even see that with darts. I got some, I got some friends here, some amazing dart players. are actually playing in the uh, in the World Darts Tournament here, uh, coming up shortly. I mean, it's a world event. It's a it's an international event, right? And then they get that exposure. Yeah. All right, so we need, to get, we need to get some money, and we just got to open a couple of bowling alleys in the States, start there, a couple of bowling alleys in Mexico, you know, and slowly build that, and then we get it. Five-pin yeah. universe bowling alley. I Spend. honestly, like, I'm, I'm sure... I was 70 years old, and my arm had fallen off, and I don't want to <laughs> compete anymore. Hey, but you know what? You know what? We throw, we throw a five-pin center down in, in Arizona. We have so many snowbirds... Yeah. It's going to go down, and it'll be different. It's a different game than what they have down there, and people will go to it. I'm sure yeah. if you put it in Vegas, people would go play it in Vegas oh, yeah. because it's just something different, you know? I, you just got to have Palm one we could, we could get Palm Springs uh, bowling out. Yeah. Could you imagine the humidity? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, so you're saying five PUs the next EMF centers? I mean, that just Maybe. makes sense. Yeah. Maybe. Let's put <laughs> it the next Bolero. We just need yeah. some investors. That's right. <laughs> Perry, yeah. you have any investors? <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually looked into, uh, when I used to live in uh, Fort Saskatchewan, looked into purchasing or building a bowling alley there because at the time the proprietor was kind of getting out of bowling and there wasn't anything in Fort Saskatchewan. So me and a friend of mine were looking into uh, what it would look like monetary-wise in a business kind of plan for a bowling center there. But, you know, what came back, why, it fit, why we couldn't move forward with it, just, just have a guess. Just have a guess. I, I remember. It was the parking spaces. Absolutely, yeah, it was the parking. <laughs> I mean, you yeah. just couldn't put the parking in place for a number of people. It was too, too expensive to put a parking lot there to support. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it's ridiculous. Simple little thing like that, like parking. Because it's in a bylaw, and you have to have so much parking to accommodate so many people that it's huge cost, right? Which, let's face it, bowling alley is a lot of space that's not yeah. used yeah. for um, people, right? So, yeah, it was it killed the whole thing. I remember, the- yeah, I remember talking to your uh, your your buddy. I think it was Kevin Noble, right? And yeah, uh, it's really, yeah. and and, uh, and I remember it was I think it was like three stalls. And that's all it was. It wasn't like it was like ten or twenty. It was three stalls that that kiboshed the whole thing, right? But, yeah, it was just too much. You just couldn't do it. You know, I think so many people have looked into it over the years too, right? And the opportunity, we all have dreams and fantasies of wanting to run a bowling alley or own a bowling alley. But yeah, when you get down to it, it's a big investment, man. And but it's huge. Bless so, you guys that have done it, and we're so glad that you have. But uh, wow, it's a it's a it's an investment for sure. The the weird thing is though, Perry, is there's there's a bowling alley now in Fort Saskatchewan, and I think there's like six parking stalls. Is that right? Well, you, I think I think it was the field store. I think I think I remember. I've been there. I've been to the lanes, but I think it used to came. Oh, it used to be a, a big uh, field store. It's almost like you know, it's like I guess like Walmart, but you know those kind of yeah, stores, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Giant Tiger, those sort of things, right? And I think it laughed and it cleaned it out. And of course, it's perfect, right, for for the bowling alley you know, because it's a big open space. Yeah. So I think that's what they did. Uh, what I think what they did, what the person did there. 
Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. yeah, I remember the old Fort Saskatchewan. It was uh, the guy drank it under, right? I think his name was Jeff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, just not a, just not already a bowling proprietor, right? Um, a businessman that wanted to make some money, but you know, we're we're a little bit fussy, right? Our our, our competitive bowlers are a little bit fussy. We're good for the sport, we're bad for the sport, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, we have it both ways, but. Um, <laughs> it's true though yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> um tim do you want to talk a little bit about uh the visualization yeah, yeah for sure um, um so anyways i i i thoroughly credit you for this perry for all the years that i've played i think i don't know if i ever told you this but uh you thoroughly helped me in my game, and I, I don't think I'd be at the level I was if it wasn't for you talking about visualization. So, um, about how you visualize. Like, I remember the one day you sat down with me with a dark lane. You said, just picture the dark lane with a white, you know, white, like where your ball goes over, and just how you totally changed my my uh, kind of realization of bowling and how, how, to, how to think the game, right? And uh, uh, I kind of want you to allude to it, like how you thought of the game or how you visualized it. Because it's, it's so tough to talk to, like, uh, I don't know, it's not a lot of people, saw, I think, saw it the same way you did. Yeah, no, and that, that's, that's a good topic there because, yeah. well, I guess back up a little bit. I'm, I'm kind of one of those guys, I like I like to read about um, military, I like to read about leadership, and I like, like to read some self-help books. So, and I don't know how I got onto this self-help book, but there's one book in particular, we all, all heard about Anthony, Tony Robbins, right? Anthony Robbins, right? He's a huge motivational speaker. He's got lots of books there, but one in particular that I would put onto is called Unlimited Power. In that book, there's a whole bunch of things you can do to, 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 for a whole bunch of different topics, whether you want to help you sleep or you want to, right? It doesn't matter. But and one thing in there, he talks about changing your mental state. And and what I mean by that is that, you know, bowling is an up and down game. I mean, let's just face it. Right? One minute you're on cloud nine, next minute you're like, oh my God, like it's all six and rolling, punch four times. Like you're just, you're just a big barrage of emotions, like up and down. And so in reading the book, I I, I read some in there about sort of imagination or just visualization, as, as, as Tim was saying. And, and it help you with the game and you want to be competitive because you need to be able to control your emotions and, and think, you know, and when you're down, you have those down low points where you just can't seem to find your game and you're lost. There's ways, there's techniques that you could, you could bring it back. And this one, there's this one, one technique in this book that Tim was talking about where it's visualization, where if you're a spot bowler, if you're a bull by the arrows or you're a bull by pins, whatever you do that, there's, there's ways where you can visualize your target. And really what you're doing is that you're pulling the target closer to you so you make it easier to hit right instead of being way down the lane 30 feet you pull it right close to you and put it right here and you blow it up make it big and you get lots of color and give it lots of uh and make it big so you can't miss it so you're, what you're doing you're changing your outlook on the game so you change that visualization so you remove that negativity of head pin or punching the three pin right in mike's case <laughs> 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 All right, so it just changed that whole visualization of the game, and you're and when you're getting that competitive spirit, and you get into these these moments of high pressure, and especially if you have people on your team, they're not used to that high pressure. They're not used to being need to throw that strike or need to make that shot or need to click those that pins off. We need to do that, right? Those high pressure moments, and so they're 
their uh, confidence may not be as high. So this is a really good technique to get your confidence back because it takes a target that you need to hit 30 feet down, puts it right in front of you and makes it almost impossible for you to miss it. And if you visualize that and keep practicing that, it becomes stronger and stronger and stronger. And I felt that was a very powerful tool to use for me as well as teammates. I would try to educate them on using that tool because it's able to pull you out of a very negative environment after you punch the head pin or miss several times that tend to do in five pin bowlers that we go from a very high to a very low very quickly. Uh, it's able to remove you from a, like a negative environment or a, or a low confident environment, put you in a high environment where you could be successful. I don't think, have you ever thrown a, a 300 game where you're mad? I mean, it just doesn't happen, right? I mean, <laughs> in your philosophic trend, you're not trying to bowl 300s and 350s, right? That's just- G Gino has. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. At that point, it's just about changing your, well, your mental state, right? And that book, if you want to be a highly competitive bowler and, and change the way your mental, it's not technique anymore, guys, right? You have this style. You're able to throw threes or fours as well as you throw one buck fifties and one eighties, right? It's all it's all about what's up here. And so, yeah, check out the book if you're interested. It's Anthony Robbins called um, um, what did I what did I say it was called? Is it Unlimited Power? Unlimited power, yeah. Terrific book, excellent book. Highly recommend it. It was it was crazy. Like it, it really helped me out. Um, I also want to bring up uh, the fact that uh, you said the worst start in bowling is a double. Do you remember that? You always said the yep. worst start in bowling is a double. It is because it just <laughs> creates you and it puts you in a position of overconfidence. Yeah, you become overconfident <laughs> and you and you you think, well, the game's easy. I'm just going to walk up there and just, just throw it, right? Just throw a double, right? And put you in a position of just overconfidence. And I mean, how many of us have done that? We start the game with a double and then it just goes, right? It just goes, wow. Watched, yeah, Daryl watched me do it all day Saturday. I started, with a, I started with a doubles like six times and I punched like five of the six times on. Yeah. But at least you started with a double, though. I kept saying to you, fuck you, Dexter. At least you're starting with a double. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't get you a lot of score, right? If you start with a double and punch, it doesn't. It's uh, 75. You're, now you're back on 250 yeah. pace right away. Yeah, yeah. right. You're not, it doesn't really set you up for a lot of success. Now, you throw a double, maybe a corner pin, obviously, you know, has good scoring pins, right? But, yeah, yeah double three when, pin. Like, yeah. I've <laughs> <laughs> seen one or two of those in the day, huh? Yeah. <laughs> But why is it? Why can't anybody get past a double? I mean, not anybody, but you know what I mean? That's the, it is the biggest hurdle. I think a double at any point in time is, is the hardest, Perry. Not just the beginning of the game. At any point in time, the double is the hardest. To get to that third one, right? You just it, Something triggers and something goes like, oh boy. Yeah, well, there's got to be something you change, right? You change something. Something within yourself you change based on that double, whether you try harder or you... Or don't try as hard because you're becoming overconfident, but you, you change something. Um, but don't get me wrong, though. Don't get me wrong. I mean, bowling is a hard game. I mean, how many, how many, ten, how many frames have you thrown in a row where you hit that exact pocket perfectly every time? I mean, come on, seriously. Like, we're all good at sport, but I mean, we'll, we could throw eight or nine in a row and hit four on one side and four on the other side, right? I mean, that's just, just good sport. It's just such a small, a small uh, room for error, right? And, this is exactly what I was going to say, Jeff. I think I think a big part of it is the fact that, you know, 
synonymous with bowling is turkeys. Uh, that's it's it's go, it goes hand in hand, and no no nobody talks about the ham bone the way they talk about the turkey. You know, <laughs> everyone's shooting really? for the turkey. Hashtag yeah, ham bone. Let's let's yeah, go. Yeah. Yeah. Start talking about the ham bone more. Start ham bone draws at the at, at, at the lanes. It's your fault, the proprietors. You're the yeah. ones who are glamorizing the turkeys for the free turkey draws. But but that's exactly it. And like honestly, I remember even back in the day in bowling school on Tom Patterson sitting there talking about, hey, there would be so many more twelve strikes in a row if it, you had to get sixteen for a perfect game, right? But you're going for the perfect game. Now that twelfth one gets really hard. That twelfth one's pretty easy, or much easier, I should say, if you're shooting for, you know, sixteen strikes in a row. Start well, start good. giving away six packs. Six pack of uh, <laughs> five pin Bruniverse. Yeah. <laughs> they only come in four packs, Daryl. Come on. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> but yeah, no, it totally makes sense. As soon as I throw a turkey, now it feels like I'm running with it instead of uh, instead of just you know out of no man's land sometimes. So. Yeah. For me, I think my favorite is seven. Once you throw seven, then it then it's like okay, let's go. Like this is this one's gonna be really good. You know, <laughs> I feel like I can run with it after seven, pretty easy. Seventh is like the hardest one. I don't know why, but after seven, you know, you know what like, you're okay. sounding like right now. Right? And then and then eleven is real tough. <laughs> it's it's been a while since I've thrown seven in a row. So please tell us how it feels. Yeah. Oh, I don't think it was that long. Well, you just shot a 380 in Sherry Park. You're fine. Yeah, it's four not bad. Bagger, four bagger pile, four bagger, wasn't it? I don't know. We'll, we'll look. That <laughs> can't be right. That cannot be right. There's no way that math works. No. Oh, I threw, sorry, I threw four bagger something, five bagger this past weekend for 380. I'll figure it out. 383. There was no seven baggers. I know that. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just going on what Perry was saying about the double how many times this past weekend at the open did you see guys if they punch a couple times or have a few bad frames they're sitting sulking they all of a sudden they throw a double and then they're around talking to people <laughs> yeah. their, their yep. whole mindset changes right and then sure enough they punch the next frame well what the heck happened well you're you changed everything you're you're concentrating you're digging in and then all of a sudden you're freewheeling and then it shut down on you again weird Weird that your mind changed and your bowling changed again. Yeah, so I, right. I, back to the overconfidence, like Perry said in the beginning, right? The yeah. the the only thing I think where a double is good is in the tenth frame because you can either come back or save your game, or you have a double and all of a sudden it kind of gives you motivation for the next game. I can't, you know, I I think a double in ten is probably the only good spot for it. <laughs> A double at any point is a good thing, people. Yeah, <laughs> we all want good. doubles. Yeah. Double, we need a double. double. Get in, get anything. We need a double. Yeah, a yeah. game with doubles is good, too. I guess you just need to recognize how important that double is and, and to utilize it and, make, and maximize it. Right? That's Yeah. Uh, and, not get, and don't walk up there thinking the game just got easy just because you threw a double and uh, thinking that it's all going to go this way. If you're not a game, the game will take it and the game will give it. Will, such an emotional game, right? And talking with seven in a row, I think the last year I was in CBC, I started the tournament on seven in a row. So that was pretty cool. But then I went head pin, and then a double with another. But I had a, a bad tournament. A new tournament, race to five, right? How many, how many times would you get to three or four if you were racing to five? 
Yeah, that was the buckshot, right? Yeah, well, something like that. Well, five strikes in a row, you'd get it. Yeah, but yeah. how many doubles and triples would you get? You'd probably get get them be more often. But once you need to get to five, yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that strategy there, Perry. Well done. And, and Steve's absolutely right. This is the same thing here too. You get your three pins, you pick your sides, no problem. You get your chop off. All of a sudden, that spare is really tough. You know. <laughs> I like how Steve yeah. is using the cherry. Uh, yeah, that, I thought that was an Alberta thing. But. I did what? that a couple times. I would punch, I'd clean it all up, and then I'd get a chop off, and then I'd cherry it. And I'd be like, "Come on, man!" It's <laughs> <laughs> another open, another open. Yeah. Like, That's get me right. on a roll. That's right. Anyway, uh, so Perry, what was your your what was your favorite moment in bowling? I have a couple, I think. Uh, obviously, the YBC experience, my first one, I mean, 13 years old and winning the national competition and all that went with that, right, On and being in center stage and and having We Are the Champions song, that was incredible. Uh, and then uh, coming came back, out, I just want to say that song, I looked it up, came out in 1977. So it was out for three years before that. <laughs> yeah. so it, was, it was pretty awesome. And then coming back at the whole, you know, the parade and all that stuff that was with that, like, that was a pretty so cool. special moment. Um, that was pretty cool. Um, you know, the CBC experiences, TSM experience was pretty cool. And the year, I think that remarkable year I had there in 1999 with the 450 and all that stuff, that was pretty awesome experience. Um, the best league of bowling, I think I, I will tell you is the Sherwood Park League that you guys run there. Um, cause it, it, it kind of checks all boxes, right? It can check that competitive box and checks that social box lots of good people and it's fair because you have you have the higher you know 250 kind of bowlers bowling against a 250 and, and you have the lower 210 205 bowlers bowling and so so no one feels like they're have to compete against someone that's out of their league right uh, and but you have such good people there that they weren't walking around and trying to put fists through walls or, or kicking yeah. out and, and doing that stuff right <laughs> Honestly, no, no one's ever done that before in bowling, right? Um, you don't have those <laughs> so that's that's by far the best league I've ever played in. Uh, one of the worst experiences I've had. It's kind of funny though, like because I used to, I was in Nova Scotia. We used to go to PEI every year for a tournament. Oh, there was a week long tournament. I forget again the name of the tournament. And um, the it was Atlantics. a pretty packed tournament. Like it was a pretty packed tournament. You'd always get one or two teams from Newfoundland. They're always very tough to beat because. It wasn't like you had to qualify. You just handpicked the team. And again, like I said before, in Nova Scotia, we didn't have, it was tough to find six strong men, right? And that 250, 240 plus range to be competitive. Um, but the Newfoundland didn't have a problem with that. They, they bring guys like Bobby Osborne, uh, uh, past late great Bobby Osborne, Tony Redman, those guys, right? They always, a, Sean, Sean Wells comes to mind too as well, like just super smooth. Great bowlers, right? Sharon Cochran, yeah, look at that. Um, so those guys were always loaded. They were tough to beat. But when, when I get my point, we, we bowled uh, one team down there, and every year was the same thing. It was always the same guys. After a while, you got to expect it. So you're up on the lane, and you're trying to throw a big shot because you're in a competitive moment. You're trying to win the game. And they would chirp at you, and they would whistle at you, and they would kind of tweet at you while you're up on the lane on the approach and about to throw your ball. So it's kind of like, we don't do that stuff in five-pin bowling, right? We, that's, yeah. that's, that's not very good etiquette and sportsmanship along that stuff, right? But they have no problem doing that, um, which if you're not used to it, you, know, you take a little bit. 
take a little bit back on that. But once you got used to it and that's the way they were, they weren't evil or mean people. That was just the way it was. And they would chirp at you and they whisper at you and do all kinds of stuff to throw you off, which which we're not used to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> was, that was uh, that was probably one of the worst experiences, I think. Um, well, a long time, right? I started at nine years old and I think it's been a few years now since I've been bowling. It's been a long time, so I've had a lot of good and a lot of bad experience only a couple that stand out to be a little bit off I, it, would, it would be kind of neat just to run a fun tournament like that just, just no holds bar have at her lane courtesy not a thing you can you can walk in front of people you can fist bump and just just see just see what happens <laughs> but no contact yeah no contact no contact no, no, contact. no yeah. contact just but standing there right in her face yeah. <laughs> yeah. Golf does that, right? I don't know if you guys play a lot of golf and play in golf tournaments. They have they play uh, a tournament, it's a cash tournament in the evenings, and it's called uh, the horse race. And what they do is you pair up with another player yeah. and you go up and you take alternate shot. But while you're up there on the tee box, you're open. Yeah. Like you're you're fair game. <laughs> you they'll yell and scream Pretty and good. call you wherever you want while you're trying to swing that club, right? And uh, it's a lot of fun though. Because there's usually a lot of alcohol involved. <laughs> 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 so, a lot of fun. There's a, there's a beer. You don't usually see it. Don't usually see it on the lanes where people are chirping at you and and and, <laughs> and whistling at you and, and things like that. <laughs> I, I, I think it'd be really entertaining. But apparently, that's that's pretty heavily ingrained into like the candle pin world as well, though. Like you hear candle like the candle pin side of the game is pretty pretty ruthless you know and it's just kind of how it is um and like bobby kite and freddie toffelmeyer and those guys come over and like five pin is very much a it's a gentleman's game for the most part i mean yes we have some people do some stupid shit sometimes but um for the most part it is a gentleman's game and, and we like to compete but we like to have beers with each other after and you don't you just respect each other and it but it's just right in your face yeah they, they... <laughs> There's no lane etiquette, right? There's no like the guy on the right or whatever up there. No, it just like just walk up in front of you. They'll stand in front of you. Um, no, no, he'll. I don't think he mean to be rude by it. That's just no. the game. That's yeah. just the game. That's how they play. That's how they learn to play. And they don't get too involved with distractions. We're we're a little bit finicky, right? We'll get we you know we're a little bit finicky, and sometimes when it comes yeah. to well, it's just, it's a product of what you used to, right? I mean, if, if we were grown up having people be in our face, then we would probably be okay with that. But we're not. We're used to silence. And even even this weekend yeah. at the Open, you know, like, pe people just doing odd things at odd times is distracting, you know? I have no problem with people going up and, like, throwing a big shot and celebrating at the line or celebrating on their way back. But there were, there were there's times where, like, you know, I'm standing up on the approach ready to go and I'm taking my first step and the person beside me threw a strike and he's already at the back of the approach and he's celebrating back there at the top of his lungs. And I'm like, I, I don't get it. Like, the, t the timing is just weird. It's just not what we're used to. Um, so, yeah, we're definitely we're definitely finicky people at times. Yeah, for sure. But And how many times did somebody back to. off from a head pin? If you see a head pin right next to you, you let them throw three balls. Right. Yeah. yeah. Some guys in competitive spirit they go up and throw a head pin and, and and stand back and let you watch it and just throw it in your face and just okay, go ahead. There's a head pin. You see it. Yeah. <laughs> monkey see, monkey do. Go ahead. Yeah, your turn. Yeah. Your turn. You gotta yeah. go now. Yeah. 
yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's a little bit of a psychological game, right? I've seen that a lot in Ontario. Like, no disrespect to folks who are in Ontario, but I saw that a lot because a lot of heavy personalities, right? When I went to Ontario, and I wasn't used to that. Um, again, I'll say no disrespect to anyone who's listening to Ontario, but wasn't used to that. And, but they have such, you know, to Ontario's uh, benefit, like we came in from Nova Scotia. I mean, for every one, two, fifty bowler in, in Nova Scotia, there's a hundred, at least a hundred in Ontario. You can, right? So the numbers are so powerful. Um, so maybe, maybe you need to have a stronger spine or stronger personality to, 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 to compete there, right? Because it's such, so, so many strong bowlers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What one day we'll run a tournament like that. Just just because I think it'd be entertaining. Any other big differences that you see between the provinces, Perry, with all your experience playing in everywhere? I'm sorry, what was that, Eric? Any other big differences that you would see from the provinces? Um, you know, playing in as number as many as you did. What was the what was the biggest differences that you'd see? <sighs> I saw, I, 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 I don't know about the different differences are all in the numbers and the numbers was all about, you know, how many high level bowlers are on the numbers in each province said some provinces like Nova Scotia had a very low uh, number turnout, whereas you went to Ontario and it was, there were so many, right. Um, of just awesome big bowlers. And again, in Alberta, it's the same thing. There's so many of them, so many numbers. And if you're like me, that was really competitive and into bowling and love bowling. That was like, I love that, right? I just love being in those big centers where there's a lot of big bowlers, and just because it gave you such a good opportunity to compete um, and, and to be part of uh, really competitive, because that's what I was all about, right? I wasn't, I wasn't interested in league bowling towards the end, right? I had no interest in league bowling. I, I couldn't be bothered, but throw me into a master tournament or an open tournament. Like I, I thrived in those conditions because that's what I wanted to do, right? And Ontario and Alberta gives you the opportunity to do that. Right. Um, so that's the big difference is that uh, the bigger centers, the bigger provinces, there's more opportunity to do things, more tournaments to be part of. But you guys have grown the game and to have the TPC, uh, sorry, the Western Canada, if you correct me. Um, yeah. You guys have done a lot with having those extra tournaments there, right? You can join and be part of. Ontario has probably similar. They're so big. Whereas the smaller centers, like even. Um, Newfoundland, Nova Scotia, PEI, they just don't have that, right? So that was that was the one thing I noticed was the big difference was the lacking of opportunity to compete at a higher level uh, within the smaller provinces compared to uh, Alberta and Ontario. Yeah, they're starting to work on those things. I mean, Ontario, Ontario has their club tour. They've that's been limited, but there looks like they're potentially running, trying to run one in August this year, which is going to be great. Um, Newfoundland has started their NBT. Their their uh, Newfoundland bowling tour. Um, it's it's like our WCBT on on a bit of a smaller scale. It's all in St. John's and it's a lower um, lower entry fee, but it's a, a good opportunity for those guys to go out and um, and compete at a at a high level, you know, higher pressure sort of situation too. So that they're working on trying to get those things built to try to create more competitive bowling across the country, which is awesome. I think that's really good. Uh, as I mentioned before, like bowling, you have got to have that grassroots program, which is so huge. But what you guys have done now with the use of social media is you've been able to televise these bigger events, right, at a lower cost, right? So, and that's, like I said before, our, our competitive bowlers, we're, we're, we're good for the sport. We could be bad for the sport, right, um, for proprietors, right? Um, but I think it's really good as, like, most sports see on TV, whether it's soccer, whether it's curling, but it doesn't matter what it is, right? You televise it. 
they get in your face. They want to see the competitors. They want to see the emotion. They want to see someone to speak on behalf of the game. And I think you guys are doing that. I think that's where the elite bowling, the competitive bowling is coming in because you can really raise the raise the elevation of uh, getting it out into, into people so they can see that. So they can see, go on, go on to the net and watch a game. Because bowling, let's face it, right? Bowling is not the easiest game to watch. It's great to yeah. compete, but it's not the easiest game to watch. So to televise it, going back to the day of TSN and CBC and how they did that, right? And trying to televise it uh, and trying to ensure that the, the spectator can see the score and what's going on and have a good commentary about that, right? That's huge to grow the game. I think that's what you guys are doing. I think you're doing a pretty good job with it, right? But I've seen so far, I mean, you guys are doing a great job. I mean, you've, you've gone far beyond, I mean, the fact that you've got on, you're saying Ontario now and Newfoundland, obviously you are, you know, you, you've got something going here, right? And the competitive bowlers can grow the game just as well as the grassroots game if it's done correctly, right? So I think you guys are doing a great job with that. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. Thanks. Um, so, uh, I'm not sure if you, if you have to leave right now, Perry, it's around that time that we had kind of discussed before, but you're more than welcome to stay on. I think we're going to kind of get into the, the open side of our, our discussion from, uh, this past weekend here. Um, I guess, where do you guys want to start? We, we have some results. I tried finding all the results I could. Unfortunately, um, I do believe Saskatoon had their uh, qualifying as well this past weekend, but I couldn't find their results. Well, well, let's let let's let Perry do his uh, his little recap yeah. and let him in, finish up anything. Perry, you want to recap for, for us? Because sure. you do have to go, and then we'll and then we'll do this on. Yeah, on, I think this is a good up. time for me. I got about. I think I was telling you about a little issue. I've got to get off to the hospital and get more treatments for. <laughs> yeah. so, no, but I really appreciate being invited and being part of the conversation, guys. So I really appreciate that. And great seeing you guys again. Yes. <laughs> uh, definitely reminds yes. me that when I get to Edmonton, I'm definitely going to stop in and see you guys at the lanes. And because uh, I know yeah. you're now out because you're, you're you get the ball and chain tied around your foot there, so you're. <laughs> so well. I'll, de I'll definitely commit to stopping and saying hi. I hope they agree with you. But it was terrific. Thank you for inviting me. It was an honor to be here. It was a great discussion. I loved, uh, loved going back over the years and just and just talking about all the things that um, I was able to, to to experience. So thank you for, for having me do that. We, uh, thank you very much we, for coming on. Yeah, man. good to see you. Yeah, we miss having you around, man. It's great hearing from you. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks very much. Yeah, thanks, Barry. Thanks, Barry. Right. Right. That was awesome. He's just such a good dude. And like I said earlier, yeah. he doesn't age. He looks exactly <laughs> no. the same. I don't get it. And you're saying it. like so smooth, you know, as a as a lefty nut, it makes a difference. But he's just so smooth. Such a good bowler to play with. Yeah. To watch. Yeah. For for the limited time he was here in the Edmonton region and stuff like that, he was playing out of North for a while too. Yeah. He, he made such an impact on um, not only the A5 Open and stuff like that, but the Masters, obviously. I don't know how many um, years he competed in the Masters, but he won it, went to Nationals, won a title. Like, yeah. pretty remarkable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he didn't play all that long on here, but yeah, but people still talk about him all the time because he was he just such a great personality, just such an awesome dude, a great teammate, and understands the game so well, and he's just so good. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. All, All right. right. Some, some open. Everything. There were lots of open qualifying on the weekend, I guess. Hey, guys. Yeah, we had lots. Let Let's start out of province. How's Let's yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, we'll start with the Regina ladies. I'll bring up their 
So, uh, Crystal Hibbins, good seen, to see her yeah. back. Yeah, Fine. Crystal crushed it. Averaged over 250 for the weekend. So yeah. what what uh, centers were they playing? They were playing... Uh, Glen Karen and, and then Nortown. Nortown, Nortown, yeah. Obviously, Glen Karen yeah. was a little tougher scoring, I think, right? No, no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> and is Jackie Treble? That's Jackie... Spark. Spark, yeah. yeah. Spark, yeah. 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 yeah, so Crystal, Josie, Josie post lots, yeah, good. Yeah, Amy Fleming, she's on tour. Jessica, yeah. Danny's sister. Um, yeah, Jackie, Hannah. I don't recognize Hannah. Um, yeah, I don't either. Yeah. Maybe and then Simone Shepard, Sarah Ouellette, um, Danny's girlfriend, soon to be. Uh, and Elizabeth Demayek. Uh, once again, a name I don't quite recognize out of Regina. Yeah. So congrats all to all those ladies. Some phenomenal playing there. Like obviously, yeah. Um, the second day at Northtown looked like it was a little bit easier. On there's still wood, I do believe too. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Glen Karen isn't, but Northtown is, right? I think. Yeah. Glen uh, Karen synthetic. Yeah. Yeah. All right, and we'll bring up the guys here. Oh, it looks like some people are sending us the Saskatoon results, so we'll be able to grab those here shortly. Um, so, yeah, here's the Regina guys. Uh, You're Mr. Brad Bones. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's typical, typical Brad, right? Totally. Uh, Brian, Brian played unbelievable at Glen Karen, 290 average, right? That's awesome to see. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it was yeah, it's huge. 290. Real, he was huge. Yeah, well, he faltered the second day, but how big was the 290 super, lead? Super solid team that team is, eh? The, yeah. Yeah. And the guys are all solid there as well. And having an alternate Steve Peter, that's that's a great alternate to but have. The too. mixed uh, three yeah. are pretty solid too. Don and yeah. Nelson yeah. and Danny very for sure. Very good. Very, yeah. very good. We'll, we'll just go through the names in order just for our audio listeners. So it's Brad Mowens that took down the championship. Brian Askin, Taylor McCaw, Cale Stroh, Doug Clark, and John Mowens. So you have a brother combo on that team. And then for the mixed guys, you had Don Salmon, Nelson Frank, and Danny Bear. And once again, they mentioned Steve Peter as the ultimate. So Danny and Sarah playing together on the mixed team. Correct. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully it's a little better than the infinite uh, escapes together, you know. But uh, <laughs> the fish, Donnie but, Salmon, making mixed team. He just yeah. got squeezed out by Johnny at the end. For an old guy, like, he's so smooth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could have just said he's smooth. <laughs> <laughs> no. Sorry. Oh come on, Danny. Dan, uh, yeah, he'll take it all good. He'll take it all good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh. I tried to click that, thinking that would be a quick link for me, but it didn't work out. Um, I'll try and grab the Saskatoon ones here. I'll put up the Calgary ones, and you guys can go through the list here while I uh, do some Saskatoon searching here. I don't know if you can read those. Yeah, all right. Yeah. So uh, for the ladies, we had Tracy Smith winning. Uh, unreal. Let's Look at that finish. She's 350. still yeah three fifty to, well yeah three fifty two forty seven to finish so six hundred triple to finish 19, to, yeah. to uh, win by thirty three. Uh, Jennifer Layden, Tracy Holsworth, Damara Halverson. Did yeah. I say that right? Uh, Stacy Weber and Anne Marie Peterson for the ladies. It's a really solid ladies. Anne Marie three forty four her last game to jump yeah. up yeah yeah by a bunch well, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. And honestly, to solidify her spot too, you know, she shoots two hundred that game, then she's that's tight. So that's that's really clutch. Um, Bev Magnus, Dina Ritchie, and Pam Wilson for the mixed for the ladies. Very solid mixed team. Yeah. Mixed ladies yeah. for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, and I'll bring up the next one here for you guys. Derek Holm with the win. Uh, Miller had a hell of a second day. I know he was even off the team after day one. Yeah, look at that second day. One, two, three, four, six. five, six three hundreds, along with a 293, a 278. I mean, he started off bad, but uh, his first two, but then he just went on a tear, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. 370, 335, 276, 355, 338, 293, 310, 303. That eight-game set is insane. <laughs> yeah. Huge. Huge. Yeah, he's saying he shot twenty five eighty for his last eight, and he only gained a hundred on Derek. <laughs> wow! Wow, he was yeah. Derek was solid too, obviously. Crazy, some great bowling. Yeah, Derek didn't have a low game. His tw- his twenty his tenth game on Sunday was his low game. Huge scoring. Yeah. Wow. Next then, team. Yeah. Yeah. Continue, Tim. Oh, we have uh, Robbie Wolfson, Ian Howe, and Mike Herbert. So uh, a little mixture of everything there. Obviously, really good, solid players there. Um, Robbie's played well all year. Yeah, Ian Howe obviously played really well. TPC and Mike Herbert. Um, Ontario Transplant. Mike and Bev are on a team. We'll see how that works out. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But I think that's great, though, yeah. But a couple notables there that didn't make it. Right. Oh, yeah. Holdsworth yeah. didn't make it. Hold, yeah. right. Bobby. Bobby Kite didn't Bobby make it. Holdsworth didn't Bo- make it. Rich Bobby Weber didn't himself, make it. Yeah. Kerry Snyder didn't make it. Kaplan just retired again. Yeah, he had a yeah. good first day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if people didn't know, Bobby Kite lost his heel, apparently, in game 12 and uh, took a tumble there and might have injured himself. So hopefully oh, no. he's oh. fine and injury-free, but uh, obviously we don't have an update on that yet, but... Yeah, we wish him I all mean, the best. Hopefully the best. I mean, like you, you look at it, he shot 170 in that game, and then 195 to 206, which makes sense if he's hurt. But then he pulled it back together and threw some pretty decent games down the line there to bring him pretty close to making the team. Yeah. All right. And then before we move on to our own zones, we do have the Saskatoon teams here. So we'll bring up the Saskatoon ladies. Uh, so we have Julie Bain coming with the win there. Yeah. Um, just just shy of 250 by one pin. Uh, yeah. Not too shabby. <laughs> Literally one point. Uh, and then Brooklyn Barr. Um, Used to be she from was, Edmonton. Yeah, she played in Edmonton for a while. But I think she grew up in Saskatoon, didn't she? She did. She yeah. did, yeah. She did. yeah. Yeah. So I did she come out here for schooling? She must have, right? Right. She, I think, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then you have Aaron Gardner, Gracelyn Pizzy. Is that a Blair Pizzy relation? No, it's actually Swatsky's daughter. Mark Swatsky's daughter. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Deanna Goring, Grace Larson, rounding out the ladies' team. And then for the mixed team, you have Carolyn, oh, I'm going to butcher that name, Bior, Reina Devane, and Taylor Miller. 
A- any issues, please talk to Carrie about the pronunciation. <laughs> yeah, we, uh... <clears throat> <laughs> hey, my name gets butchered all the time. I'm allowed to do it to other people. Carrie Crooks. Carrie Crooks. And right, and then for our men, Mr. Michael Wist comes home with the championship. No. He had a 415 in game 12 to get that. No. Nice. Did he not? Did he not have a 400 the first day too? Or is that I just me? Don't believe so. No, I think no. It was just the second no, it just, day. It was the second day because he was doing it for Baby Mason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing 400 yeah. for Baby Mason, and he shot one in the second yeah. game. It was awesome. Yeah. And then uh, Regan Spruill, second Kevin Rack. Third, Tom Patterson comes back for uh, a fourth position on the men's team. Lauren Krush, Jacob. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I sorry, I never remember how to mem- how to pronounce Jacob's last name. Uh, I'll just skip it. You guys can see it on screen <laughs> if you're just, watching live. That's Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> and then rounding out the mixed team, we have Kurt Hubbard, Adam Martin, and Gary Fair. And Jesse is the alternate Krush. So I'm so guessing... Uh, there for uh, for men's team? Yeah. So Lauren would probably be a younger brother to Jesse. Do we know that? Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know. Or or dad, maybe. I don't know. No one mentioned Lloyd, Lloyd Weens, podcast guest. Yeah, right? you know yeah. what? Bowling off the opposite foot, right? And you know what? He was pretty close. He had a 380 in his game 16. Yeah, he, he wasn't... He was 60 pins away from making that team. Yeah. Uh, Corey Downing... Um, in there, and then another Krush, Ethan. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. They got a, a whole crew there. Oh, Lauren is the uncle. Oh, okay. It must yeah. be a Ukrainian thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, awesome. All right, so now we'll move on to... I know Cindy didn't want me to show it, but we'll move on to Central. Central ladies. Go ahead, guys. All right. Uh, uh, no, someone else could say Shauna's name. <laughs> Shauna Piri Lesney. There we go. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I always screwed up. Yeah. Congratulations, yeah, good for her. 250, Shana. got over 5,000, right? Solid ladies team here with Jen Baker, Holly Warner, Andrea Levitt, Rhonda Barber, and then Emma Jean Ostrakoff. Yeah. Um, yeah, fantastic. So, and then uh, mixed would be Donna Gervais, Robin Smith, and Cindy. Yeah, made the team. So congratulations there. Well done. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome. Great playing. I know uh, the Cindy and Peggy difference there came down to the tenth frame, or the, maybe even the last ball. Oh no, it was definitely tenth frame. Um, Peggy pins, needed yeah. more more than uh, a mark, and she unfortunately punched uh, for Cindy to take that that last spot on a mixed team. So that's awesome, awesome. for her, for her cool. rookie year. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. All right. So we have Gary Baird winning. Um, he's, he somehow makes so he finds a way to make olds work. It's crazy. Good for him. Uh, great shooting averaging two sixty six. Victor tried to make a push. He shot, well, he shot 900 for his last three in olds too, which is amazing. So congratulations, <laughs> Victor. Victor. Uh, yeah. Only missing by 16 pins. Um, then Carrie, Mr. Carrie Kreutz, Carrie Kreitz, uh, he, 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 he made a team. He, he made, made a team. He, he made a team. <laughs> and he not only made a team, he, he made the men's team. And not only did he make the men's team, he made the singles. Big finish, Carrie. 328, buddy. 
That's awesome. Yeah, that was huge. I was 30, 34 pins behind Gino going to the last game. Needed a big start. Got got lucky enough I was playing uh, with Sean Schwartz the last game. We ended up paired together. Oh, and he so was we, uh, we pushed each other to get up nice. there, and he needed that to make it make it the team that he got on to. So. Yeah, it's awesome. And then, uh, yeah, Gino Zebarth, Brad Wilton, and Shelby Crest rounding out that men's team. It's uh, a pretty phenomenal men's team there, buddy. Yeah, powerhouse for sure too. A lot of Very experience good. in that team. Definitely Looking the team to beat. To yeah, team to oh, beat. Okay, I think. you say that every freaking time. <laughs> That's what Weber was trying to say too. Like uh, All right, moving on. All right, so the mixed team. Uh, we've got Eric Chose, Justin Langrock, and Sean Schwartz. Three really solid players. Absolutely. And, and, and good, good uh, kudos to Schwartz. He's been playing really well all year, and uh, I think he deserves making this team. That's a good mix team there, and too. He threw a good last game to sneak in there, too. Good for him. Yeah, and, and n- nothing against Olds. Olds plays tough, right? So um, mm-hmm. the scores, maybe the, the averages don't in, in sh- indicate how well they played. It's just it was just well, tough scoring. And, and you, you look at it, like, because in game one, or from from the start of the day, one, two, three, four, five, you, there was a grand total of six 300s for the mid in the first nine games, and then there were four in the final game, so people clutched up pretty good in that final game. Pinfall just doesn't suddenly get better, so uh, they threw a lot of really good shots in that final game to make teams. Yeah, we kind of took a look at it. There was uh, double the amount of 300s in Stetler compared to Olds. It was was just a tougher scoring house. Olds always is, and uh, there's nothing wrong with that. It kind of brings out your players that are picking their wood up, picking their spares and stuff like that, so it was really good. I just want to point out how well Central did up their stats and how clean it looks when you put it on social media and all that stuff. Now we're going to go to Edmonton. Edmonton's a good old it, printout. Hey, you know what? It, it must be nice you guys having a retired guy to do all the stats. So yeah. me, You're right. 100% Central looks solid. Good for you, yeah, maybe that Maybe that's the only thing they're going to look solid in. But... Uh. <laughs> So here's Edmonton. So starting with the ladies, uh, championship goes to Jenna Lamaru. Congratulations to her. And she would have won by 23 pins uh, with a 287 her last game over Heidi Mapstone. Yeah. And then Julia Robko, Katie Rayner, Michelle Hoyle, and Caitlin Ayub. Pretty solid team there for the ladies. Obviously seeing Michelle, she just continues to make teams year after year after year. Um, never, Heidi's never so misses. solid too, playing playing huge. Great great team here for sure. And then the mixed team is uh, Brittany Lacusta with Danielle Dubois and Katie Hicks, who threw a 295 her last game to squeak in and get in there as well over Kaylee Mack and uh, Sue Vandersloos, who are in the mix at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but pretty pretty solid ladies there for for both teams. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, there's nothing wrong with <laughs> any of the either of those teams by far. Like, we always kind of say, um, going into these opens, you never know who's gonna have good days or bad days. You might get a uh, not to say they're random, but to say somebody that's not always the most consistent player can get onto an open team, right? It's only only twenty games, you never know. But um, all the ladies are pretty. Um, pretty solid. Pretty solid. Yeah. You can't, except, you can't blame any of them in there. Except for Rainer. 
Yeah, well, Rainer. That's whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And then the Edmonton men. Not sure who's holding this up, but we've got a nice little shadow in the background. Um, Unreal bowling here out of the Edmonton men, got to say. But uh, winning the championship is 57-04 was Tyler Titgat. Last game. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 294 his last game to get over Adam Weber by nine pins. So he and Adam had a 284. So basically they were tied going into the last game and they 294, 284. So Weber, Adam Weber, Tim Wiseman, uh, Adam Kemp, Bradley Titkat, and Brett Wren. And then on the mixed team, we've got Cody Steer, Aaron Arndt, and Dexter Wiseman getting in there at the end. Um, 15, 16 pins over Ryland Willier. So, I mean, guys, I mean, we can all, let's talk about right away is the day one at Bonnie Dune was absolutely ridiculous scoring by the Edmonton men that were out there. I mean, ladies too, but the Edmonton men guys blew it up. Um, uh, there was, after three games, you, the team was already formed. It was, there was a few guys, outliers that came in, but three, four, five games. Adam Weber, his first four games, I mean, were 14 and a half. It was insane. Yeah. Absolutely insane. Um, yeah, we were, we were in Central. We were watching you guys post after each game. And after the first four games, we're like, well, are we watching for record breaks here? Because, like, Adam was on an unreal pace. Like, um, and not to say he fell off. He, he still averaged unreal. It's just, how do you keep up that pace is absolutely yeah. insane yeah. yeah yeah ended up what 307 or something like that on yeah so, 307 uh, at for 10 it was yeah, big yeah. it was i mean i think i was 275 and i was in 10th place yeah yeah, yeah. right yeah but i want to say one super cool thing about the weekend is you look at the two winners uh we have tyler as yeah. our winner for the men and jenna as our winner for the ladies um both of them Two years ago, the last time we had the Open, they were both their final years of YBC. They both made nationals for YBC. They lost that opportunity. They both made, they both made uh, the Open of their first year eligible for it. They had that taken away from them, and they both come back and they both play super well and win the Edmonton Zone. Um, that is, I, I don't know. I just think that's a really super cool story. Kudos for them for like overcoming that and coming back and playing. As well as they did. Yeah, I, future is bright. Yeah, Lots of I, young kids. Super happy. I think we we had fifty five tryout, and I think the three of us who played, I think twenty of them were under like twenty two. It was just absolutely crazy, and, and it was nice to see a bunch of young players out there. Obviously, Saint Albert was. Um, I was telling Carrie a little bit earlier. I th- I think uh, people played better at Bonnie Dune in general, um, regardless of the scores. Um, but people didn't play very well at St. Albert. It was tougher scoring regardless, um, but nobody picked up spares. Nobody picked up anything. Nobody, it was just, it was, a. I don't, I think we've been fortunate enough to play in easier centers that a lot of people forgot how to play properly when it isn't so easy out there. I lost a but lot like of missed your, corners. Like yours were probably a little bit tougher to play on too, right? It, it's tough to be super accurate at your spare picking when you can't trust your slide across across the approach right that was kind of what was happening in um in our qualifying at stetler first like three or four games i couldn't tell you how many i seen people missing corners missing chops 
I was sliding across the approach. Everybody was sticking and turning a little bit, right? Till you adjusted to that, that slide speed or whatever the situation was. Then mm -hmm. it got gradually better. I wouldn't um, say old, it was... Old, yeah. Old was good. The, the approaches were smooth. There was nothing wrong with the approaches. It was just tougher pinfall. I, th I wouldn't say that it was the approaches not so much at St. Albert. I think it was just the movement of the ball on the lanes. The ball moves so much on the on the wood lanes and it just it would snap and people couldn't hit their spots and couldn't make their marks and it was it was really difficult. I mean everybody hung in there and you know grinded and tried but there was very little noise and excitement. There was a couple of moments of a couple of people trying but it would be so deflated by a you know a double punch or a double miss or a double miss open like it just there was never an opportunity where guys really got it going uh and had some big ones in there there were plenty of opportunities in those mid-range guys to take off and to be able to set themselves straight i mean there was at the end at one point in time maybe eight spots locked up there was five or six guys playing for two spots really you know seven spots i guess but uh, and Dex obviously hung in there on the end, getting ninth spot. I mean, you were Dex. You had a 145 or 150 in an eighth frame, and you throw a triple to put you in by 16, which was absolutely clutch. And that was the loudest you got. I remember throwing your second one at 11 or something like that. That was it was like holy, what a relief for you, right? Yeah, it was it was a grind. It's been the same thing I've had for a while. Where it's just endless punches. I can't seem to find the side, but. Uh... I was looking around a little, and, you know, I, I saw, well, and that was another game. I had five punches in that game already at that point, and I was like, well, I got to I gotta do something. And you look around, and Mark Popovich is on pace for 340, if he, and I was up 114 on him, so I'm like, he, he bangs out, he beats me. But I, And then Ryland was on the other side, and you were on the other side of me, and you guys are both fighting for it. And then I'm like, okay, so as soon as I see Mark, I think Mark missed in, like, the eighth frame or something, I was like, okay. It's it's I can I can get there if I want to. So I threw the first one, that was good. I threw the second one, that one that's what I got pumped up. The second one in ten wasn't a it wasn't a great shot. It got out left and it came back in and, and carried the strike and then punched in ten or punched in twelve, sorry. Um, which gave Ryland the opportunity to come yeah. back and throw it and he he throws the double in ten and then he just needs a pin to catch me. Um he threw the first one in ten and punched in the second one. Unfortunately, so yeah. uh, he played very well. He came down the line and um, he came. He brought some big games back too. Um, yeah, I couldn't yeah. hit the middle. That was my fault at the end of the day. Honestly, guys, it was just missing the middle lesson. I tried and tried and tried and felt like I would have it, and then also just would miss. And I mean, total lesson and didn't get over mad or anything. It is what it is. But yeah, just simple, simply missing the middle. I look at my stat. I would have missed the middle thirty times oh, on, on Sunday, and it's just not. It's just it's. I it, it just couldn't. I just couldn't hit the middle. Yeah. It was just not good. I, so. Sunday was weird for me, um, and only because, to be honest with you, I was following Curtis and I was following Brad. But other than that, I was not around anybody the whole weekend. I was like on the leaderboard. I just I kind of just was off my own man's land. I could see everybody else doing well down like you know a couple sets down there and. And it probably worked out well for me because there was no pressure. I, I was just bowling, right? Uh, yeah. I didn't see anybody have big scores. Didn't see anybody have low scores. I just kind of bowled, right? Um, 
But uh, I think it'll be a good weekend. And I, like I said, I appreciate Daryl for all his hard work on the weekend. It helped us all out immensely. Absolutely. And uh, I, I don't know about you. I, I think uh, for any of you who don't know, Dad is actually coaching Dexter's team. Yeah. So this is the first time Dad's actually coached Dexter or me ever. Um, poor guy's a rookie. Uh, I mean, he'll have his own handful with that. I, but I uh, called him bitch all week. Already. <laughs> <laughs> so. Nice. So it'll be, it'll be, it'll be it's, it's kind of nice that way, right? So he, he's there, and it'll be, uh, it'll be good. So it'll be a good weekend. I'm That's just, fine. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you look at the team, though, and you look at it, like, who, who would you not be on there, right? I mean, you look at the central men's team. That's a pretty strong team. Sure, you that's could have maybe an Eric or something in there, but that's the team that you pick at the beginning of the day. You know, when we're looking at Edmonton zone, you know, again, no disrespect, but there's 11, 12, 13 people that are making it. And guess what? The nine that made it were, were nine out of the 12. So, of course, there was going to be two or three people who didn't make it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is what it is. It was kind of the first year. Usually you have uh, the top 12 guys, top 13, were all, like, in order. Like, there's usually yeah. there's usually a couple guys that you're like, okay, I didn't expect that. Or, or hey, you, they can play, but they just had a really good day. And it wasn't like that this year. It was kind of, kind of a little bit... A little bit different than normal, right? Definitely and, tough playing Bonnie Dune first because the scores were so high. To try yeah. to chase that, to try to chase those scores and those high numbers, I mean, there was, like I said, six guys that already had a spot locked up. You could go out and through 220 or 230 on Sunday, and you weren't going to do it because you're just not going to. You're going to, at the worst case, you're going to shoot a 240, 245, right, those guys? So the spots were already locked up. So, I mean, there was 30 guys looking at two spots, three spots before the day even started, Yeah. right? Uh, and you knew there was going to be one that came from behind that made it, and that was Aaron Arndt. And he just kept grinding and working and working and working, even even to the last game, started off with a triple and got the energy going, and he was then he was then running, right? Where the other guys were just doing what they were doing all day long by missing or by pugging or by opening. And it was just, you knew it was going to be a guy, so... It, it was tough. Yeah. If, if we're doing that again, we got to do Bonnie Dune on a Sunday because the fireworks would be electric. <laughs> right? uh, Daryl, Dar- I'm going to let you know there's no center out there that's going to be taken to Saturday other than Bonnie Dune. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> we got to sweet talk somebody else then. That's yeah. crazy because that's it's I, huge. It's huge. The tournament's already done, right? Like for, yeah. for the people outside of the Edmonton zone watching it, I totally agree with you, Daryl. There was no, there's no real fireworks. We were kind of watching Aaron was kind of the watch, right? Because we seen him climbing, but up top, like we're we we're watching to see if Adam was going to be able to hold on because Tyler was battling with him and Tim was kind of up there in a little bit. But really, there wasn't a lot of watch in the middle of the middle of the field because we, for prime example, Bonnie Dune set the pace that it was going to be almost near impossible to catch those players. Yeah. It, so it really it really sucks mm-hmm. for that side of it for the the competition side of it when you're in it maybe it was pretty exciting I don't know but outside I, I th- of it, it was it's it tough, was tough. Like, I find there's like for me personally I find there's a lot more pressure uh, on playing Bonnie Dune than playing the other house and the only reason why I say that is if you don't score right your if you don't play over. your weekend's over why, right why play week why play day two then just play right. day one. There is pressure. Yeah. 100% there's pressure. Yeah, right? right? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Your your pressure is, again, to keep pace. And I'm 275, and I'm in 10th place. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And I know I'm not going to go and be 300 pins better than Adam Weber at St. Albert. 
No. Right. Just That's why, like, maybe playing Bonnie Dune twice might have been the play, because you know that the scoring differential is just so astronomical. Playing Bonnie Dune twice makes both days, oh my god, I gotta hang on, I can't, I can't slip, right? Because yeah. somebody could average 307 and catch me, now That's I gotta, it. now yeah. I gotta play well. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, fair. It is what it is. I'm not. I'm not sitting here complaining. I'm super happy for everybody who made the team. And at the end of the day, is I didn't execute, so I'm not worried. But I just think it'd be yeah, cool to. Sure. It'd be cool to see, see this Bonnie doing on a Sunday, right? Because yeah. there's a more opportunity for changing and advancement. And a guy who's 17th or 18th, or even five guys that are all 13 to 18, they're gonna climb together, right? Let's go. Yeah. Right, and, yeah. and a guy may not sustain the 300 average or the 295. Somebody else is going to come do that. Yeah. And if Plus, he does, I then think kudos the, to him. The best analogy is is watching like the PGA Tour when they play like a three three course tournament or whatever. Right, you know, there's one course that if you don't hit that course on the best day, like the non windy day, and score well, you're you're pretty much out of the tournament because the other two courses are ridiculously tough. Right, so. Mm-hmm. It's kind of that mentality where you go to Bonnie Dune the first day, like Tim said, it's super high pressure because if you don't perform, good good luck, right? No, no, no different in Masters, right? I feel the same way when I go yeah. there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. because there was exactly. one guy from on Sunday that made it, right? Yeah, there was provincials are going to be great though. Provincials, provincials be, that's going to be your fireworks, man. Gonna right? It is going to be fireworks. It's yeah. going to be awesome. There's so many good teams coming. I mean. You know, the ladies' yeah. division's got four or five solid teams. Mixed has a handful, right? The men's team, no, you can't count anybody up. We know that the Northern yeah. guys, too, are so We didn't put up their scores, but we're there no, we know that they're going to come and fight and going to work and going to get after it. And South can do that, too. It. So, yeah. South, too, yeah. right? So, South so, will have a lot of shots, that's I for mean, sure. I mean, Edmonton, let's be honest, has the, the, the odds. They're the favorite. Edmonton's got a stacked uh, team. Central's. Right? Edmonton's got a stack team, Tim. Don't be silly. Don't pull a Weber and be in Central's the best. He, he does it every time, Daryl. Don't worry about it. He, he I know they do. They try to talk himself down, but I'm here to tell you that the Edmonton is number one odds-on favorite. Central number your home, two. Your home zone. Yeah. Your home house. Yeah. yeah. Central number two. Calgary number three. Right. Then you're probably north and south that are similar odds. But... It's not by I, I, far, Tim. Not by far, you, but the favorite is. Let's you know, get Mitch. Let's get Mitch to set the odds. <laughs> I, 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 re- I really think you know. Different in 2017, we went up GP and GP was super tough and narrowed the field. I think when you play a center like this and everybody's playing together, it's going to narrow the field too, right? Where the the weaker yeah. teams and the good teams are all going to be the same, I think. Because and I think that's going to be a great event for everybody to watch. Because I it's think gonna it's going to be yeah. Stream yeah. works. Yeah. yeah. Get some, get some something to do in the background. <laughs> yeah. Somebody can shoot 380. Somebody can shoot 400. We just never know, right? So, yeah, you're going to see that. You're going to see somebody lose with a 380. Yeah. yeah. Almost guaranteed. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe not on the mixed team, Dex. Maybe not on the mixed team, but on the men's team, yes. Dexter's mixed team is by far the favorite. Right? I, I don't, there's there's some Calgary. good mixed teams out there. There's some good mixed teams out there. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I, do, you, do you think Cindy play Dexter? I don't know. That'd be kind of cool. No. There is. I know she's already shitting her bricks right now over if she plays Dex. 
Yeah. <laughs> but you got is Eric. Gonna play, is she going to play Eric first or Sean, last? Right? Like, she'll, play, she'll play wherever you play next. She'll play wherever you play. I like it. I think she has. I think she'll do it. I think she'll whoop your ass. So it's okay. No big deal, Dex. <laughs> yeah. No, that'll be, uh, that'd be fun. That yeah. would be fun. Yeah. I would enjoy that. Yeah, okay. We want to banter about other zones and oh, provinces too. So if anybody else has any other stats or any things that they want us to chirp at. And yes, we want to see Dexter and Mitch at Nationals. De- so Mitch made the mixed team in his zone? Is that what I hear? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He made the mixed team, yeah. What? Who made the men's team that he didn't make it? Oh, he just, no, he just didn't play well. He just didn't Some play better well. players. Yeah. yeah. Be, be better, Mitch. Be better. Right? That's okay. right. When I, made, when I miss my teams... There's just better players than me. Yeah, Manitoba straight to provincials. We see that. Yeah, we'll see. yeah. Skip they're they're pay to play in Manitoba. Maybe yeah, on maybe Ontario soon. We'll see. We'll see. Um, let's move on to our All Star draw. Thanks everybody for joining us and signing up for the draw. There's 25 entries. Good luck to all. If anybody wants to live stream a colonoscopy with me, I'll do that. <laughs> oh, man. Out. Oh, ever. No. Out of here. No, like we don't. He, like, he's going to use bowling balls. Cap, team captain of the odds on favorite for the Edmonton Open hey, for their provincials I, this year. So, uh, you know, talking about 5P Universe and the Open, I do want to bring up every Dream Crusher made the team. I don't know about the Bombers, but every Dream Crusher made the team. No, we didn't make it. Okay, I just want to let. T- I just want to point that out. Yeah, thanks, Tim. <laughs> no, just kidding. Well, all that played, Tim, except for except for one. What? I'm the token five pin universe <laughs> member who didn't make it either. Tim, all that played from the bombers played oh. uh, played the open, made it except for one. Aaron, yeah, but I mean, I, but I was gonna say because Cummings not playing. What is he? <laughs> What are you talking about? Heidi made it. Danielle made it. Aaron made it. Oh yeah. Who didn't make it that played? Oh, Poor I feel DB. Well. I f- right? Johnny so didn't make it. I want he Dexter to make it though. Dexter's a better fit for that team than I would have been in ninth place. So I'm happy for him. I'm team no, manager. Darryl, I, I'm I team manager only... of Edmonton, and we're gonna at Team Green is gonna go and sweep, and then I'll get to go to nationals. It'll be fine. There you Do go. you know what? Sounds I put my foot. I'll, I'll say I put my foot in my mouth. I thought everybody else played. So, I mean, I take that back, Daryl. I apologize. No, you don't. Yeah, I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Matt I'll, didn't I'll... play this year because Danny played. And then yeah. Johnny didn't play. didn't play. Steve didn't play. I was like, oh, they must all play. No. Yeah. Okay, well, I put my foot <laughs> well, in my mouth on in, in national all, yeah, television. Yeah, and Danny did play, and Danny didn't make it. Yeah. Danny Clapp played, yeah. Oh, yeah. right. Just right. so you know. Our so now you're, now you're wrong again. Oh, okay. <laughs> Worst chirp Ever. That's what he tries to do. He tries to make stuff up and then it never works out for him. <laughs> we love you, Timmy. We love mm-hmm. you. <laughs> well, I think we're going to wrap this one up here, guys. Um, we do have uh, Team Pro League this Sunday. It is an afternoon session, so it is noon till 3 o'clock. So um, tune in. I think we have some Regina Infinite Escapes playing. We have Timmins, T-Bay, and Paradise Marvel. So it should be some good matches. Yeah. All right. We'll check you all later. 
Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Have a good night.